Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning to everybody. Welcome to the Hawaii Association's 54th State Annual Convention. This is our very first virtual convention. Um, so we are pleased that you all are here today and hope, actually we not hope, we know that you folks will have a wonderful day today with us during our convention. You know, I, I just want to say right off the top, thank you to everybody, uh, AC, ACP radio team and all for making this possible. And I also would like to just kind of make a quick shout out and let you folks know that our um, keynote Speaker for the day is going to be Janet Dickelman. So again, I want to thank Janet for being here with us today and spending some time during our convention. So to start off our convention, I would like to get the pledge done. The pledge will be done by three of our HEB members. They are Ernie Udo and Jim Earhart and Sam Asing. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to a republic for which we stand. One nation under God, indivisible. With liberty and justice for all. All righty. Thank you to Ernie, Jim, and Sam for the pledge. The uh, next thing up on our agenda or convention here is for us to play our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets would glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say that star-spangled banner it waved o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, how wonderful. Much mahalo, Monica, for doing the national anthem for us that was really really terrific um following with this uh for this year we were lucky enough to um actually get in touch with um, kamehameha schools and we had gotten some of their students to actually uh engage in our uh, convention this year so the hawaii anthem from the ks Oh, my God. 
Thank you so much, uh, Kamehameha Schools. Just a little side note to that for um, all, all in attendance here. You know, um, these three individual uh, students, they took it upon themselves to take part in our convention. They were interested in doing so. And I found out later after the recording was done that they actually did each part, each vocal part as a separate track. And then they then blended all the tracks together and that's uh, music as well. The music was also a separate track. So hands up to the Kamehameha school kids because they really did a fantastic job. Okay. Um, as far as, in terms of our um, invocation, I'd like to introduce uh, Father Lane and have him do the invocation for us. Ho members of the Hawaii Association for the Blind on your 54th annual convention. My name is Father Lane Akiona. I'm a religious priest with the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary who brought the Catholic faith to Hawaii in 1827. I'm presently the pastor at St. Augustine's Church by the Sea in Waikiki. I'd like to open our prayer with some Hawaiian verse, and then our puli, our prayer for you, will participate in this annual convention. Ohia no kalaya hovihanai e haoli kako aelea ilalia. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us pray. Aloha Keakua. You are the God of the eternal spirit, creator of the universe. We ask your blessings upon this 54th annual convention of the Hawaii Association of the Blind. It is a time to be renewed in our connectedness as members, provide mutual support and shared resources. You call us to be witnesses in our communities and especially to our global community of your immense love and care for us and all people whom you guide with your eternal spirit. Teach us to always reach out to those who are in need, especially the blind and visually impaired May your spirit of wisdom guide us in a world that challenges us with many uncertainties. Calm and nurture our spirits that are focused in you, God of the eternal spirit. Bless all who participate in this convention, our speakers, those who help us in this unique service of caring and especially our benefactors and donors for their continued support and kokua. May we always be good stewards in sharing what we have received from others and in building your kingdom of acceptance of all, assurance of love for humanity, filled with peace and justice in a world very often can be hostile to those who believe in you, Keapua. May his blessings, na kiakua manaloa e hoopo mai kai i oko, kamakua ke keiki, ka ohanehemalele, amen. And I will close with this verse from the scriptures. 
Na Yahova oe e ho mai ka i mai, ai malama mai, na Yahova i kau mai i kamakalama, malamalama o kona makamaluna i o. Ai loka mai ka i mia oe, na Yahova e malio mai i oe, e havi mai maluno ne. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Mahalo, Father Lane. Beautiful, beautiful. As we move forward to our convention, um, I'd like to have um, the, well, let me first explain. Um, we have made some changes or proposed changes to our bylaws. And so in doing that, or because of that, we must uh, read the changes to that section of the bylaw, bylaw nine. And we'd like to read it to you folks now, the, the members, uh, because later on during our business section, we will be discussing this and you folks will be voting on it. Please uh, take note if you have to, take notes on this and then we'll come back to it at the uh, one o'clock hour. Bylaw 9. Members who leave the state but remain in good standing shall have their membership retained, except they shall not serve on the board of directors or chair standing committees. However, they may complete an existing term. B. In rare instances where persons are allowed to join ACB, though they may never have been residents of Hawaii, they may not hold office or serve as standing committee chairs. All right, thank you, Maureen, for um, doing that for us and reading it. Again, guys, uh, we'll be playing that again at the one o'clock hour during the business section for you folks again to hear and uh, understand. Um, I would say that this part of the, the morning is um, um, my portion is pretty much done. So I am going to hand this over to Antonia Vega, who's going to be the MC for the rest of the morning. Um, this is tradition for Hawaii to do. And so with that said, uh, and Antonio, um, yep. can I can I have you come on and introduce yourself? Sure, sure. I just want to make sure. Can you all hear me? Uh, Art, can you hear me? Very good, very good. We can. All right, we can. wonderful, wonderful. So good morning, Hello. everyone. All right, so once again, I'd like to welcome you all, uh, our HAB members and uh, anybody uh, not in Hawaii out there uh, listening via ACB radio. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Welcome to the 54th Annual uh, State Convention. Uh, we were founded in uh, 1967, so uh, yay for that. We've been around for quite a while, and it's it's great to uh, you know be here in a, a virtual capacity for the first time. So uh, first time for everything, and, and thanks to uh, ACB for making this possible. Uh, we've been through a lot this past year, but we're glad that we can be here uh basically on schedule for the most part we we <laughs> normally i think we do this in, in april but you know we got this put together and we are here so uh just a few things we, we got our first uh speaker coming up at 8 20 but uh, i just want to mention today is of course may 1st and uh in hawaii that's a special day now i am 
hardly the, the best person to teach everybody about Hawaii. We have uh, many members here, who, of course, who were born and raised here, and I was not. But, you know, living here, I've come to learn a whole great deal about Hawaii and, and really come to appreciate uh, here for the past, uh, I came here in 2014. And uh, of course, today, May 1st, is Lay Day. So Lay Day is a day to, uh, well, I guess, commemorate like the uh, Aloha spirit and of course the Lay. So the Lay is, of course, that kind of flower necklace, to put it simply, right? That everybody knows from like movies and TV shows. If you've never been to Hawaii, you've probably seen it on, on TV or heard about it. And uh, usually there are many events in which people, you know, they, they put together lays and uh, there's, you know, hula and a whole bunch of events across the state. Now, of course, this year is a little, maybe a little different, not quite the usual uh, fair, but uh, still, I think uh, a great day to, to remember that and uh, keep that in mind. And uh, um, if you're ever in Hawaii on May 1st, you want to keep an eye out for that because I'm sure uh, you'll run into uh, some events uh, for Lay Day. Now, um, let's see. So a few more minutes, but um, now uh, I'd like to uh, mention here. If I may, Antonio, I'll just yes. jump in here a little bit yes. and help. Um, so, you know, folks, being that this is our first uh, convention doing virtual, you might, you might noticing that, yes, we are trying to fill in some time here because things are moving a little quicker than we had anticipated. But um, again, I, I just really want to commend our team, you know, HEB here for a, a good, a well job done. And, um, you know, uh, the expert help that we're getting in making this happen uh, could not be done without. So, so again, hands off to everybody involved on that. And as um, Antonio was saying, you know, Hawaii, uh, we have a thing, you know, we call this May Day, Lay Day. And if you folks know, or can see some of you, um, I think we have a backdrop of um, lays uh, uh, that we would normally have on a day like this. Because, you know, on a day like this, May Day, uh, Lay Day, folks are usually wearing lays and you know, uh, to celebrate that particular thing. And we thought about doing that and having all of the speakers wearing lays, but we just didn't know how to get it to everybody. So we came up with this idea of having a pretty picture with a bunch of lays, which is lays are made of all the different colors and flowers in Hawaii and people wear them around their necks. It's a traditional thing that uh, the Hawaiian people have done in the past to honor others and to give uh, significant, you know, uh, notation to someone who is uh, royalty or someone who is an ali'i, as we would say here in Hawaii. Uh, so that's just some background for you folks to see what's happening in the in the background here. Uh, and so I think at Antonio, I think we are good. I'm gonna yeah. step away. And normally we'd be giving lace to everybody who comes up to speak. So uh, we're giving to you. Uh, we're giving them virtually this year. <laughs> Yeah, virtually. All right, guys, I am done. I'm going to step away for a promise and I'm going to leave this to Antonio. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty much right on time here. So um, I'll, I'll go ahead and introduce the first uh, speaker, who is the uh, branch managing director of the uh, Hawaii State Library for the uh, Blind and Print Disabled, Baron Barossa. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for inviting me to the annual conference of the Hawaii Association of the Blind. Uh, 
I'm always grateful for the invitation because it gives me the opportunity to say thank you to all of you. HAB has been a steadfast supporter of the library for so many years. Of course, last year was especially hard for everyone, which is why it's important to note that without HAB's generous donation, we wouldn't have been able to cope very well with the pandemic or fund some very important initiatives regarding the production of Hawaii-based audiobooks. For the first half of the year, we spent a lot of time and financial resources dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. We had to adjust the layout of the public and staff areas and purchase a mobile stand-up computer station for our catalog computer, all to ensure that staff and members of the public were socially distanced. We also had to purchase a wireless intercom system to be able to communicate with patrons outside our door before allowing closer contact. Additionally, we had to purchase personal protective equipment and cleaning supplies for the library. Now, in that respect, we were lucky because the Hawaii State Public Library System provided a lot of things like disposable gloves, face masks, hand sanitizer, and disinfectant. The problem is it's difficult for the library system to purchase these items on a large scale. So we occasionally find ourselves making extra purchases to supplement our supplies. In addition to the pandemic, NLS was making a big push. NLS, of course, is the National Library Service for the Blind. They were making a big push to get more people to use its online book download system. They've been encouraging libraries like ours to make sure our local collections are available on digital audio. As a result of that, we needed to upgrade and enhance some of our recording equipment. We purchased high capacity hard drives so that we can set up a server in which to store all of our newly converted audiobooks. We also had to purchase new storage devices for our radio reading service computers so that we could have reliable backup for our radio program library. Additionally, we had to purchase new microphones and cables for our recording studios to get the best quality audio for our locally produced books. So again, we were very fortunate to have funding from the Hawaii Association of the Blind. Your support has always meant a lot to us, but it has meant so much more this year. Now, I think most of you know a little bit about us and our mission, but for those of you who don't, let me tell you a little bit about what we do. The Library for the Blind and Print Disabled provides reading materials, playback equipment, and other library services to those who are unable to read or use regular print materials due to a visual or physical disability. We were established in 1931 at the same time that the National Library Service for the Blind was established by the U.S. Congress. We were one of the original 19 libraries in the system. Now there are almost 90 of us, actually a little more than 90 of us, and they're located in every state and territory in the country. By working with NLS, we're able to provide free Braille and digital audiobooks to eligible patrons with visual disabilities. LBPD serves residents of the state of Hawaii, as well as the U.S.-affiliated Pacific Islands, which includes Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, the Federated States of Micronesia, the Marshall Islands, and Palau. We're also part of the Hawaii State Public Library System, which has 51 branches on six islands, and we'll talk more about the public libraries a little bit later. Our services are eligible, uh, are available to only certain individuals. To qualify for services, you'd have to have any of the following disabilities. Uh, 
blindness, any other visual disability that prevents you from reading standard printed material, a physical limitation that prevents you from being able to manipulate or handle standard printed material, or a reading disability resulting from an organic dysfunction like dyslexia that prevents you from reading printed material in a normal manner. These disabilities have to be certified by a competent authority, which can include doctors of medicine, doctors of osteopathy, ophthalmologists, optometrists, registered nurses, therapists, and professional staff of hospitals, institutions, and public or private welfare agencies like educators, social workers, and counselors. To be eligible for the service, you have to be a resident of the United States, an American citizen living abroad, or a dependent of an active military personnel or diplomat. Now, what kind of materials do we provide? Well, NLS has a collection of full-length books and magazines in digital audio, braille, and e-braille format. NLS provides these materials and the audio playback equipment to us, and we circulate them to our patrons. We have access to almost 115,000 titles in audio and almost 26,000 titles in braille. When you become a patron, you can choose to select your own reading material or allow one of our reader advisors to help you select material based on your reading preferences. If you prefer to select your own, you can use catalogs provided by NLS, which helps you choose fiction and nonfiction titles for adults or children, as well as magazines and foreign language books in either audio or braille. Special equipment is needed to play the digital audio books and the magazines, and we provide them. Uh, we have a standard digital talking book player and an advanced version of the player. They play the audio books, which are um, stored on USB, USB flash drive cartridges, and they're pretty easy to use. When you press any button on the player, uh, it'll speak to describe the button you selected and its function. We also work with libraries on Maui, Kauai, and the Big Island that have the playback equipment available on hand to lend out to registered patrons. In addition to the audio and braille materials we lend out, we also have books in large print. Uh, there are fiction and nonfiction books, mostly at the adult reading level, but we have a few young adult and children's titles as well. You have to have a Hawaii State Public Library System library card in order to borrow these books, and we can help set you up with that. For people who have low vision, large print books are a good alternative to audio or braille because the, uh, the print is large enough to read with corrective lenses or other magnifying tools. Uh, the type size is at least 14 points, but 18-point font size is most often used. These books also have better letter and word spacing and have flexible binding to allow the book to lie flat when you open it up. LBPD also has a small but growing collection of movies and documentaries on DVD that has the audio description feature. Audio description, as many of you know, is a narration service that describes the images and actions happening on the screen. It guides the listener with concise descriptions of new scenes, settings, costumes, body language, etc., all slipped in between portions of dialogue. Um, registered patrons can also download digital audio and e-braille materials to their own personal devices. NLS has an online system called BARD, which stands for Braille and Audio Reading Download Service. Uh, 
you have to apply to get access to the BARD collection. And then you can download audiobooks to a personal computer and transfer the files to a flash drive or a cartridge so that you can play them back on the talking book player. Or you can download these um, audiobooks directly to a mobile device like a smartphone, a tablet, or uh, one of those handheld media players. NLS provides the mobile app software for either Android or Apple devices. Uh, but if you download the electronic Braille files, you have to have your own refreshable Braille device to read them. Uh, we also have books uh, for young readers, and they may be requested from LBPD or downloaded directly from BARD. These materials can be found on the NLS Kids Zone website, which is an online catalog of titles specifically meant for preschoolers through grade eight. Uh, grade eight. They have award-winning titles, biographies, popular series, and materials for teachers of, of the visually impaired, and a lot more. Um, in addition to providing books and magazines, we also transcribe materials from print into either audio or braille. If an LBPD registered user needs to transcribe a small document like meeting notes, invitations, newspaper articles, etc., we'll provide the service for free. Uh, we also provide it to qualified students, government agencies, and nonprofit organizations, but small fees may be applied for supplies only. We also transcribe books published in Hawaii into audiobooks so our patrons can borrow them in the audio format. We have a staff of trained volunteer narrators who record books at our recording studios located here in the library. The library also has a radio reading service. It's a closed circuit radio broadcast carried over a subchannel of Hawaii Public Radio. Currently, the signal is available only on Oahu and parts of Maui. LBPD provides the special radio receiver needed to listen to the broadcast. The service is on 24-7, and we normally have live programming Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., except on Tuesdays when it airs from 10 to 11 a.m., but the pandemic has kind of put a hold on that for now because we're keeping uh, our volunteer readers at home. Volunteers also read portions of the Star Advertiser, including the local news articles, editorials, letters to the editor, obituaries, and feature articles of local interest. They also read articles from other publications like Midweek, Honolulu Magazine, Pacific Business News, the Hawaii Herald, and um, other periodicals. And our volunteers also read grocery ads from Times, Foodland, Safeway, Longs, and other retail outlets. All of our pre-recorded programs are aired on the radio reading service throughout the day. We also air other programs provided by national organizations that, that produced audio content for libraries like ours. The library also makes available for use in the library only special equipment to people with visual disabilities. If you visit the library, you can use our public internet computers, which has uh, the screen enlarging software ZoomText and the text-to-speech software JAWS. Uh, we also have video magnifiers, which are available to enlarge the size of a print document or to add contrast to increase visibility of a document. Those are our services in a nutshell. Uh, for those of you who might not qualify, please know that the Hawaii State Public Library System has many great resources and services that are free and available to residents in the state of Hawaii. 
Once you get a library card, which is free to all Hawaii residents, you have access to a lot of stuff. Hundreds of thousands of books, DVDs, CDs, magazines, newspapers, and other items in libraries across the state. If your neighborhood library doesn't have a particular item, another branch might, and it could be delivered to your branch for you to borrow and pick up. Currently, because we're still under pandemic restrictions, patrons can only visit libraries for only one 45-minute session per day. Libraries also have occupancy limits. The bigger libraries will allow no more than 20 people in the building at any given time, and the smaller branches can accommodate no more than 10. But even with these restrictions, we are open, and we do encourage you to make use of your neighborhood public library. If you're concerned about the pandemic and don't want to make a trip to the library, we have ebooks and e audiobooks that you can download from our digital collection. We also have online databases on almost any subject you can think of. If you're doing research and you need to find articles or studies, you can get authoritative information right there at your fingertips. You have to have uh, internet access and a device like a computer or a smartphone to access or download these items. Well, that concludes my presentation today. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak. If you have any questions about this presentation or you know anybody who might benefit from our free services, please have them contact us. Our number is easy to remember. It's 733-8444. That's 733-8444. And my email address is baron.barosa at librarieshawaii.org. We're open Monday through Friday from 9 to 4. So give us a call. Our friendly staff is there and are happy to provide you with more information. Again, thank you so much to uh, all of our friends at the Hawaii Association of the blind for inviting us to speak today. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Baron. Uh, that was great. So um, before uh, we move on to the next speaker, we have a few things. Uh, first of all, I thought this was a good opportunity to remind everyone that we are on Facebook. So uh, go ahead and give us a like there. We are uh, facebook.com slash Hawaii Association of the Blind. You can find us pretty easily, I think. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, We've got a whole bunch of door prizes, so um, we've got stuff to give away, and that's thanks to some very, very kind uh, donations, and uh, we've put that all together so that uh, we can make some people happy, because <laughs> people like uh, getting free stuff. I, I certainly do. So let me pull up my list here. Let, let's give out maybe, uh, I think we have time for uh, maybe, maybe two. We'll see. Uh, so let me pull up my list here. Um, Number one, uh, let's see. Okay, so first up, we have a donation of three handmade masks made by Mona Yamada, who is great at uh, making all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm sure these are beautiful masks. Um, so uh, our first winner here is... Terry Higashi. So Terry, congratulations. Uh, you will be getting three handmade masks by Mona Yamada. Thank you so much, Mona, once again. Uh, and uh, let, let's do one more. We've got quite a few door prizes and uh, might as well give them away. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Number two here. Uh, what do we have? 
Oh, okay. Now we've got we've got a $25 Amazon gift card that was donated by uh, let's see. Oh, Kyle Lacanci. Okay. So and the winner of this gift card is da, 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 da. Oh, Karen Idol. I E I D E L. Yeah, I Idol. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but uh, once again, Karen Idol. So thank you so much to Kyle for donating that. And uh, congratulations to uh, Karen. Uh, so we will be getting that to you. All right. Uh, I think I think we'll uh, keep it at that for now. But if um, you know, we'll be doing this throughout the rest of the convention. So make sure to stay in between the speakers because uh, you might win something. All right. Um, so continuing with um, you know, of course, this year it's not just uh, our own HAB members. We have uh, people possibly listening, you know, in other places of the country. And so uh, we thought we'd sprinkle in just a couple things here and there related to Hawaii, a little bit of information for anybody that's not familiar with Hawaii. But um, one interesting little fact here is that um, this here, Hawaii, is the only place with a palace. We actually have a palace here. There's, there's no other place uh, in, in the United States that has a palace. It's called Iolani Palace. It's absolutely beautiful. I've been there a couple times. I, I've taken uh, my mom there when she came to visit, and, and she had a wonderful time. And there's so much great history there. Um, you learn about the Hawaiian kingdom. And uh, actually, I, I believe the uh, palace had electricity before the White House, too. So there's all kinds of really, really interesting history there. Um, if, if you're ever in Hawaii, of course, you know, that, that is one of the go-to places that you uh, want to check out. Again, Iolani Palace. That's I-O-L-A-N-I. All right. So let's uh, go ahead. We can introduce our next guest, our next speaker. And that is going to be, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. So we have the Orientation Center and Field Services Supervisor of the Hopono Center for the Blind, Leah Diaz. Aloha, you guys. Thanks for allowing me to zoom in. And congratulations on your 54th annual convention of the Hawaii Association of the Blind. For those of you who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is Leah Diaz, and I am the administrator of the Ho'opono Services for the Blind Branch uh, of the Hawaii Division of Vocational Rehab, DBR. Um, you know, today makes just about one year since we shut down in-person services at Ho'opono. And since then, you know, we've been preparing um, to reopen safely with the help of our VR administration and the Department of Human Services. Um, we've been stockpiling lots of PPE, you know, gloves and gowns and um, booties and hand sanitizer and disinfecting wipes and plexiglass and all that kind of stuff in our building, um, preparing, waiting to reopen to serve you. Um, we've got, we've set up hand sanitizing stations all throughout the building. Um, when we do reopen, it's, it's, it's an overused term, but it's going to be a new normal, um, but, but we can't wait. Um, 
staff have been um, staff at Ho'opono have been deemed essential workers. So the majority of our staff have received two COVID vaccines, and um, so that will help uh, toward the reopening. And slowly by slowly, most of our staff who were exclusively teleworking have been gradually transitioning um, to coming back into the building to work um, in pods and you know maintaining all the CDC rules and all that kind of stuff and just getting used to being in person together again. Even though we've stayed very well in touch, um, thanks to things like Zoom, uh, even though we're not all together in person here, we're meeting, I know our management meeting here meets three times a week, the whole Pono, myself and the whole Pono supervisors meet together um, on a regular basis to talk about everything that's going on and, and not only COVID related stuff, but continuing the services to, to our consumers out there, making sure that this uh, new way of doing business is not resulting in de undue delays um, or things, you know, people getting lost in the shuffle. It's very important to me and to all of our staff that all of our services continue to be provided, you know, even during this pandemic over the past year since the last time I spoke with you folks. So, you know, in the meantime, all of our services have been provided mostly virtually, um, which is not ideal, obviously, but all of our staff, like I said, remain dedicated and connected to our consumers out there in the community, from our teens in the schools to our people who are searching for work, who are in New Visions training, who are working now, um, uh, to our older blind kupuna in their homes. Um, it's our main goal to make sure that everyone is connected and still receiving services. We've also continued to work on cultivating our relationships with our community partners, um, like the Department of Education, uh, employers, uh, consumer organizations of the blind, and, and others to continue to find more resources for our consumers. And I wanna tell you a little bit about just some examples of ways that Ho'opono has been reaching out to the community um, even during the pandemic over this past year. And these are just a few examples, but um, we there was a situation where we worked with a state legislator, uh, DHS administration and the State Department of Health to enable a blind person who was experiencing COVID symptoms, but had no transportation to get to testing to actually be able to receive that testing that they needed. So that's an example of the type of outreach, different questions we've been getting during this pandemic time. Um, we've been sending out information, whether it's through email or posted on our Facebook page about all kinds of things, not only pandemic related, unemployment, PPP, but also blindness related things, things going on in the community, meetings going on, things like that. Um, Ho'opono classes that we've been inviting the community into. Um, we've done virtual presentations, our staff has, 
to, I know, Queens Medical Center, as well as Hawaiian Electric. So again, we are not only doing, you know, public awareness type activities, but also always looking for employment opportunities for our consumers. Our staff also, um, Gavin Abe helped put together a video that included all of our staff kind of having a little part in um, encouraging everyone to mask up during this time. So I hope you all had a chance to see that. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, we've given, because we can't have people from the public coming into our building on a regular basis, uh, we do get a lot of requests for tours. So we've done uh, virtual tours. And uh, we, I know the New Vision staff put together a virtual tour for Aloha Independent Living so that they could see, you know, what happens in all the different classrooms in the New Visions program. And um, we also did a tour for Hawaii Baptist kids because every year we enjoy having them come in and be able to, you know, meet blind people, ask questions, things like that. One of the things we haven't been able to do is the Braille reading in the schools, which um, I always, you know, thank uh, HAB members, in particular Maureen Sheedy, for helping to keep that alive. But during pandemic, obviously, um, that hasn't been happening, but we hope to start that up again uh, soon, I hope. Um, we, uh, we partnered with Lanakila Pacific, who are our neighbors here uh, next door in the building. Uh, they got a temporary uh, a grant to provide additional meals on a temporary basis to seniors in their homes who have disabilities. And so uh, through, our, through Gavin and our older blind teachers, we were able to help to feed blind kupuna in the community with uh, the grant from Lanakila. Uh, I also understand that we had some excess Braille supplies that we were able to donate to the VI teachers in the DOE. We uh, worked, we actually opened up our building on a limited basis in order to put together a video resume for one of our VR consumers who's looking for employment. And that was done very professionally and very well. Um, so that was that was an instance where we saw somebody in person. You may have seen a story in the news, on Hawaii News Now. Uh, we recognize that um, all small businesses in Hawaii are suffering during the pandemic, and that includes our blind vendors. And so uh, we work together with Department of Human Services Public Information Officer to spotlight uh, Chris Akamine, who's a blind vendor at the Liliuo Kalani building. Um, and also Gavin is working on a series of videos uh, spotlighting different blind vending facilities. I know that he did a great one with Ron Flormata. Ron, that was awesome. Um, and another one, I believe, with Wanda Takaesu out in Kakole. And there are going to be more to come. And we're going to try and get those out via our Facebook page, as well as hopefully other uh, venues as well, in order to spotlight our blind vendors, to uh, increase their businesses, to uh, let the public know that many of our blind vendors are still open and to please come and, and patronize them. They're small businesses, just like any other small business that really needs help in order to continue to thrive. So... 
um, also through a con- I got a call from Jim Kahui, who I understand retired from Blind Vendors Ohana, but he had a connection with Olelo. And so Gavin is now working um, with Olelo to put together another uh, spotlight um, of Ho'opono services, in particular the blind vending program, maybe other programs here to again, get the word out to the community. So Jim Kahui, if you're out there and you happen to be watching, thank you. Um, we've continued to provide uh, things like long canes, folding canes, people call up just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean there's not still a need for canes. And we are the first place that people think of to call. So we've mailed them out. We've had people come here and pick them up. Um, even though our gates are locked, we're not going to stop our services from being provided. And we understand how important canes are to blind people. So if you find yourself in that situation, please, please make sure and call us. Um, let's see. Oh, during the, sorry, I have to look at my notes uh, here. It's kind of, I have an easier time speaking to you live than I do on Zoom. This is very odd for me. But um, during the pandemic, maybe because the parks in the area here have been shut down, we noticed a lot more homeless individuals kind of making house in, uh, around our building, on our grounds. It's still going on. Um, so we needed to put up a security fence on the backside of the building where people were pretty much starting to camp out underneath our stairs. Uh, which, of course, I have the utmost empathy for them. Um, many of them are facing additional challenges in a, you know, besides just being houseless. Um, so we've tried to connect them with other resources. Sometimes they'll take them, sometimes they won't. But the bottom line is we had health and safety issues um, because of the encampment there as well as safety issues for our staff who leave the building through that back door that exits out into our parking lot. And so um, with the assistance of donations, we were able to put up a security fence. And so um, that, has, that problem has been alleviated, although there are still a lot of um, homeless folks that are sort of around the building and in the neighborhood. I've definitely noticed an increase there. Um, our next building project is a capital improvement project. We were able to get $500,000 from the legislature a couple of years ago. And that project is to uh, reinforce the back of our building on the basement level, which is next to uh, the stream. You guys may be familiar with, there's a running stream behind our building. And the city uh, zoning folks said, you guys cannot do any more uh, building upgrades or renovations until you make sure that your building ain't gonna flood. So that's our next project. It's expected to start, um, well, by the time you see this, it will have started in April and it's projected to go through January. It's a huge project. They're gonna be you know, completely replacing the basement wall facing the stream and uh, we're going to have to move all of the staff who are downstairs to upstairs. We had to clear out decades old stuff 
from when downstairs used to be a sheltered workshop. And so staff have been working really, really hard um, to clear out the area as well as moving themselves and all their stuff upstairs temporarily. Um, and of course it's gonna be a long project. So, but uh, we were very fortunate to get that money from the legislature to make sure that our whole Pono building is secure and safe and a healthy place for all of us to work and for you all to come and see us uh, in the years to come. End video part two. As I'm speaking to you, um, of course, the legislature is still going on and there have been several um, items of interest in this year's um, legislature, which Ho'opono has been involved in. Just very briefly, um, the, the one that many of you may be familiar with was uh, SB 1233, which uh, was a proposal from the Department of Health to allow individuals uh, with mental health disabilities to participate uh, or to run uh, vending facilities in uh, state and county buildings. Um, DHS did provide comments on that measure. And uh, I want to thank um, all of you who provided testimony, um, which I know was all in opposition uh, and especially to Ron and Beth who um, testified via Zoom in person. Of course, uh, testimony from individuals rather than agencies and from in particular blind individuals uh, is the most meaningful, I believe, to the legislature. So thank you for all of that. Um, that bill was deferred so we need to still um, keep an eye on that because it could come up again in the future. Uh, while of course we have no ill will towards individuals with mental health concerns, um, and we do of course want everyone to have employment opportunities, I understand all of your concern about that bill. Uh, another bill that was, well, there was also um, potential uh, for looking at our different funds such as uh, our Randolph Shepard revolving fund, our donations account, uh, and, you know, the non-general fund type accounts. Uh, of course, because the state is uh, in pandemic and our economy has been uh, very severely affected you know, it's understandable that the legislature is going to want to look at all of these different funds to see if they are necessary and if there's excess funds that they can take. Um, so far, uh, our funds have been okay. Um, but again, we are continuing to, to monitor that. And we're hopeful that uh, the legislature will understand the importance of those funds to our, to, to individuals who are blind. So we'll just keep watching that, but for now, everything seems okay. Another, uh, there was a concurrent resolution that was presented um, that was urging the department, uh, we did not uh, write this, but it was urging uh, the Department of Education to um, consider hiring uh, qualified blind individuals 
to teach in the DOE. So uh, we did provide comments on that measure. And um, anytime there's going to be employment opportunities for individuals who are blind or visually impaired, you know, Ho'opono is, is going to want to work together with the employer uh, to provide them with uh, qualified employees to fill their positions. So uh, we shall also see where, where that one goes. Uh, of course, we know that the VI teachers do a super fantastic job and we thank them so much for preparing our kiki as they transition from the DOE to Ho'opono. Um, and if there's any, you know, possibility of getting qualified blind individuals teaching there, uh, I think that can only be a good thing. Now I'd like to go through our different programs here at Ho'opono and tell you a little bit about uh, the services that we've been providing uh, over the past year. So starting with our vocational rehabilitation program, our VR counselors received about 65 referrals and they're managing a caseload of about 184 blind and visually impaired consumers. So we have uh, 42 transition students and 38 of those are still in high school. And the VR counselors and our employment specialists have placed and closed a good number of blind people um, over this past year, even again, despite the pandemic. Uh, their average wage is more than $20 per hour. I don't have the exact figure right now, but they are good paying, competitive, integrated jobs. Um, and the different kinds of jobs are uh, customer service reps, there is a rehabilitation counselor, an O&M instructor, a contract specialist, an office clerk, a blind vendor, produce clerk, an elementary school teacher, a housekeeper, a social worker, and a guest services person at a museum. So you can see there's a wide variety of jobs as usual, many of which are careers that are the result of um, higher education, also sponsored by Ho'opono's program and vocational rehabilitation. Uh, we haven't gotten any notices from any of our consumers that they have lost their jobs. We do know, again, like I mentioned, about uh, many blind vendors have had to close temporarily, I hope, only temporarily during the pandemic. But other than that, we haven't heard of any of our folks losing their jobs. So that's, that's a good thing. If you or anyone you know is in that position where they've lost their job and they're blind, please, please contact us. Um, the Vocational Rehab Division uh, still does have a wait list for services. You may know that there are three categories. Number one, most significantly disabled. Number two, significantly disabled. And number three, not significantly disabled. The large majority of uh, people who apply for services who are blind are going to go into that first category. Uh, that first category has been completely served at this point. Anyone who is found to be in the first category when applying for services will be seen uh, you know, right away by Ho'opono. We still have about four people that are in the category two. So hopefully we will be able to work with them soon. We do not have any blind or visually impaired people in category three. 
which is the not significantly disabled category. So again, if you or anyone you know is in need of vocational rehabilitation services, uh, preparing for employment, independent living, blindness skills training, please contact me. I'll give you my contact information at the end of this speech. Uh, the Older Blind Program, which is also part of our counseling section, has been very busy uh, over the past year during the pandemic. Again, providing services differently rather than going into people's homes um, and risking getting them sick or our staff getting sick. Um, we have been providing these services virtually. And that is a challenge, teaching Braille, teaching cane travel, teaching home management. How do you do that virtually? Well, the answer is you get really creative and you do the best that you can. And again, obviously it's not the same as being in person, but we have continued to provide older blind services to our uh, consumers in the community uh, statewide. We got about 184 referrals, so way more than we got for vocational rehabilitation. Um, and we're all together working with about 200 blind and visually impaired kupuna throughout the state, helping them to be safe and independent uh, in their homes and in their communities. Many have also been participating in some of the New Visions meetings as well. Speaking of New Visions, right now um, our number of students uh, in pandemic times and virtual times is way up. So we actually are serving um, 17 students right now. So they are uh, people who are eventually working toward employment or they are older blind clients and they are learning, like I mentioned, Braille, uh, home management, technology, cane travel, believe it or not, and participating in discussion groups. Um, so a lot of this is about learning skills. It's about learning uh, empowerment, self-advocacy, and it's about making sure that blind people are not isolated in their homes or in their communities or sometimes even in their own families. So, um, you know, again, my thanks to uh, the VR counselors, the older blind teachers, and the New Vision staff who um, have been continuing to provide instruction to consumers. Of course, all New Vision students learn about blind consumer groups, such as the HAB and the NFB, and they attend meetings as part of their training. Many of them will be watching this um, convention today. So, hi, New Vision students. Since the start of 2020, uh, New Visions has been operating with a lot fewer staff due to turnover with two resignations and two retirements. The residential counselor, a second O&M instructor, the Braille instructor, and the New Visions program secretary uh, positions are all still vacant. There's still a hiring freeze. And um, I, I just wanna take a moment to recognize and thank HAB uh, uh, board and members I want to thank Don Thompson and Stacy Fasuk for reaching out to me 
to ask how HAB can help to advocate to fill our Braille instructor position. Thank you for recognizing how important Braille is to blind people. And I have been in touch with you to let you know the status um, and we'll continue to be in communication with you. But again, I wanted to take that moment to, to thank you um, for your advocacy, um, not only in this issue, but in many, many issues. New Vision staff are really looking forward to returning to in-person services again. And because, you know, the essence of what makes the New Visions program so effective happens in person. And even, even though we haven't been in person, the New Vision staff has been able to, again, you know, grow the program, you know, tremendously during these challenging times and are getting these remarkable attendance numbers by the students with the daily group meetings and individualized instruction in all of the areas I mentioned earlier. So thank you to the New Vision staff. Our blind vending program, also known as BEP, also known as the Randolph Shepherd program, has also been busy over the last year. Um, during the pandemic, obviously, you know, things are tough. Things are tough for the blind vendors. And our BEP uh, manager and staff have been doing the best they can to assist, uh, to provide uh, personal protective equipment, uh, to provide, you know, business management consultation. Uh, they've still been working on promotions and transfers. Right now, there are 41 blind vendors and there are 41 facilities. And of those 41, as of the time I am taping this on March 24th, um, 22 of the facilities are still closed due to COVID. And those are in most cases, situations where vendors felt that it just didn't make sense for them to stay open because the occupancy and the customer base coming into their buildings just uh, wasn't enough for them to, to make money. They would lose money by staying open. We still have 19 facilities that are open though. Um, just to give you an idea of the loss in sales from 2019 to 2020, if you compare those two years, gross sales fell 36% and average earnings fell 92% from 127,000 $587 to $10,275. Right now, there are two students in training for who want to become blind vendors. They've both completed the uh, required Hadley School for the Blind classes online and in-class sessions have started and they will be going on for six months. And we also have another student who's interested in a future class um, who has chosen to attend New Visions uh, before starting blind vending training, which we think is a great idea. Several more have completed the orientation session with counselors, uh, have expressed interest in becoming blind vendors. And um, so we continue to have inquiries uh, from consumers who are interested in going into the blind vending program um, 
both from within Hawaii and even people from outside Hawaii asking. But of course, they have to be in Hawaii and in the Hawaii VR program first in order to become blind vendors. Um, let's see. Oh, you know, very sadly, uh, we lost one of our blind vendors in December. That was Clifford Chong uh, from the Arizona Memorial. So um, we want to express our condolences um, to his family and to all who knew Clifford on his loss, which is a great loss for, for our program. And selection of a, a successor a, a partner at the Arizona Memorial is currently in process and we should have an announcement on that hopefully soon for a new blind vendor who will be placed at the Arizona Memorial. <clears throat> also um, in March, uh, congratulations to Lorna Kipili'i who is a blind vendor at the Kapolei State Building. And um, she has retired and we should have a vacancy announcement coming out soon. We still have vacancies at the Honolulu District Court, Kona Judiciary, West Hawaii Civic Center, Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam Buildings 167 and 2. And at Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam, the Silver Dolphin Troop Dining Attendant contract uh, we bid on that and we've been going back and forth with, we did win it. And then there were protests from the incumbent who had the contract previous to us. Um, but that was dismissed in the courts and uh, Ivy Galariata will be taking over operations at the Silver Dolphin at Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam. So congratulations to her. That's a five-year contract. Uh, that started, that will be starting on May 16th, just a couple of weeks from now. The Kanyohe Marine Corps Base, uh, which is another military troop dining contract, uh, has, you know, although we are continuing to operate with our current blind vendor there, Virgil Stinnett, there is a continuing protest by the previous contractor. And hopefully this appears to be coming to an end. We, an we anticipate an end to the protest and bidding and winning on the next contract in the near future. So hopefully we'll be able to keep Kanyohi Bay. Schofield Barracks, a military troop dining contract as well, is still in appeal. Uh, we have an ongoing arbitration uh, request for that one. So I, that is pretty much the report of our different programs here at Ho'opono. As you can hear, despite the pandemic, uh, all of our staff have been busy, um, whether they are teleworking or they are coming into the building, they're all working very, very hard, sometimes under challenging circumstances. You know, some of them are parents who have kids in school and they're trying to juggle their work day with being teachers to their kids. They're sharing uh, internet connections and they're still managing to do it all and do it well. And so I want to thank my staff very, very much for that. Um, you know, I, I really love the theme of your convention about continuing on and persevering through adversity because that has definitely been a theme for us as well this year. So yes, you know, just like the members of the Hawaii Association of the Blind, Ho'opono will continue to persevere continue to partner with you and work together with you to 
do all we can for the blind of Hawaii. And I want to thank, you know, in closing, I want to thank my friend, President Art. Uh, I want to thank the board, all the members of Hawaii Association of the Blind uh, for everything that you do for all the blind of Hawaii and the ways that you also help and support us. Let us know when we're doing things right and also let us know when we're not doing things right and how we can improve. And I always appreciate hearing from you. Um, if you would like to contact me, please do. You can call me at 808-586-5275 or email me at L-D-I-A-S as in Sam at dhs.hawaii.gov. Thank you so much again. And I will be with you through this whole convention all day into the evening. And I look forward to hearing from everyone else as well. Wonderful. Uh, thank you, Leah. Um, actually, she pointed out something that uh, we didn't make, uh, we didn't say out loud here uh, during the convention. But yeah, our theme is mo moving forward through adversity. And of course, putting this together was its own form of adversity. But thank you so much to ACB for helping us move forward through that adversity. And, and we're here and it's running along pretty smoothly, I think. So we're just going to jump uh, right into the next guest so we can stay on schedule. Um, so our next speaker is uh, from the, uh, let's see, Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. Admin she's an administrator. Her name is Maureen Bates. Aloha. My name is Maureen Bates, DVR's administrator. I remain committed alongside our staff and partners to our core values of service for the residents of Hawaii. I want to thank you for this opportunity today to reflect on how DVR's efforts to build workforce resiliency and parity for individuals with disabilities remains an imperative. According to recent census data and the 2020 Compendium of Annual Disability Statistics, Hawaii's current population of 1.4 million residents has identified over 286,000 adults as having disabilities. Approximately 39% of these residents were employed pre-pandemic. Given 62% of Hawaii's non-disabled residents were employed pre-pandemic, with unemployment rates at an all-time low close to 2%, it is remarkable to look at today's unemployment landscape in Hawaii, where we can estimate more than 67% of adults with disabilities are unemployed or underemployed. Hawaii's overall unemployment rate of 10.2% reported for January 2021 reflects the beginnings of our recovery from the worst unemployment rates in April and May of 2020, which, lower, which hovered above 21%. Government stimulus funds have helped reduce these unemployment rates to some degree in many areas of our state. Although access to these resources has been challenging, we all look to new service delivery models that require digital literacy and access. Diving deeper into the unemployment rates is important for us to consider in planning recovery strategies. Hawaii residents who represent the labor force that lost jobs, stopped looking, or are only working part-time jobs, also known as marginally attached to the workforce, represent an un unemployment rate today closer to 19.4% of working age adults without disabilities. This unemployment rate translates into an estimated 45% employment rate 
versus the 62 pre-pandemic rate of individuals without disabilities. As I mentioned, these rates are estimated to be much higher for adults with disabilities, probably closer to 67%. Within the demographics of a disparity for individuals with disabilities in Hawaii's workforce, we can see additional challenges among Hawaii's residents with disabilities that parallel the 2017 American Community Survey data. Among men and women with a cognitive disability, women earn 28.4% less than men. In addition, minorities with intellectual and development disabilities were 7% less engaged in jobs, earning 16.5% less than white individuals with the same disabilities, while having 9% less successful rates with get existing vocational rehab to integrated employment opportunities. DVR's efforts to strengthen workforce parity represents a remarkable return on investment for Hawaii's taxpayers and our legislative representatives. DVR receives over 13 million annually in federal funding with the state required matching funds of 3.9 million invested in DVR services annually. These federal and state funds support services and resources for consumers to develop their skills for engagement in Hawaii's workforce, job retention, advancement, opportunities, and, the and their resiliency for independent living. Pre-pandemic, DVR's participants engaged in Hawaii's workforce, generating over $3.9 million in tax revenue to the state as a result of their wages earned. This tax revenue, coupled with federal funding, represented a conservative return on investment to the state of 455% much better than Wall Street. DVR's essential services annually funded with federal and state awards represents an opportunity to strengthen our consumer skills for Hawaii's workforce, advancement opportunities, and careers of their choice. During this economic crisis, DVR staff sustained essential services and supported 309 participants to obtain employment at an average hourly wage of $15.28 and 29 hours worked weekly. These individuals with disabilities generated over 3.7 million in earnings during the past six months, adding over 305,000 to the state's tax revenues at a time when every, finding every coin in the couch matters. Some of these job placements included an accounting position at 27.90 an hour, compliance officer at 17.79 an hour, administrative services officer at $21 an hour, substance abuse and behavioral counselor at $20 an hour, environmental engineer position at $20 an hour, psychiatric technician at $20 an hour, teacher and social worker at $25.50 an hour, office worker at $15 an hour, cashier at $17, auto service technician at $16 an hour, census taker at $24 an hour. Amidst the pandemic, in 2020, we celebrated over 100 years of vocational rehab services nationwide, as well as 30 years of the ADA's impact on community integration for Hawaii's residents with disabilities. This year, we recognize 85 years of the indelible impact of the randolph Shepard Act from 1936 on both the opportunities for blind vendors to be engaged in Hawaii's workforce, as well as a model of best practices for all entrepreneurs, disabled and non-disabled. Through the collective support and advocacy of blind vendors, DVR's Hawaii Business Enterprise Program is looking to expand, refurbish facilities, and sustain vendors whose businesses have been impacted by this pandemic. Our federal funder, 
RSA, Rehabilitation Services Administration, has authorized over 400,000 in federal funds to be distributed before September 30, 2021, in support of these blind vendors and their recovery efforts. Statewide, employment is forecast to contract by 65,710 jobs from 719,780 in the first quarter of 2020 to just 674,070 jobs in the first quarter of 2022. The COVID-19 pandemic severely affected the economy and only five of 22 major industries are expected to fully recover during this two-year period. The state's job market forecast looks to be strongest for employment in the construction industry, which will lead the state's recovery from the pandemic. Health support occupations will show the most resiliency coming out of the downturn, just 10 jobs short of pre-COVID employment levels. Jobs that support these two industries will also see growth opportunities. Hawaii's Department of Labor and Industrial Relations, DLIR, has identified the need for digital literacy to be strengthened among workers in order for Hawaii's residents to have local and global employment resiliency for the future and is investing in training and resources to support this initiative. DVR is collaborating with DLIR to support our consumers' individualized needs for digital literacy and access. Like our blind vending program, DVR understands the value of relationships and how our connections reinforce access, resources, and supports for our consumers as we get engaged them with them in Hawaii's workforce. So with all this information I've shared, I want to ask you to consider what will you do as just one advocate to join us in our efforts? Today is May Day, also known as Lay Day. The lay made up of many flowers can be a metaphor for our interconnectedness that will surround the hopes of our consumers as they seek jobs in Hawaii's workforce. Thank you for being here today and being part of our statewide efforts to strengthen opportunities for equal pay, for equal work among Hawaii's residents with disabilities. Aloha. Thank you, Maureen. We've got over 70 people uh, today, so uh, wonderful. That's great to see. Um, just I'll do one quick door prize and then we'll, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, there's plenty more door prizes, so I'm, I'm saving those for when we're, we've got a little extra time. But right now we're running right on schedule. So, um, okay, so our third door prize of the day is a $25 Starbucks gift card donated by Lara Tanigawa. Uh, thank you so much, Lara. And that is going to Bob Nakasone. Congratulations, Bob. I hope you enjoy that gift card. Uh, okay, so our next uh, speaker is going to be an associate professor from the University of Hawaii. His name is Dr. Brett Opegard, and he's going to be talking about a, a very interesting uh, project with the uh, National Park Services. So uh, let's uh, roll his uh, video. Aloha, everyone. This is Brett Upagard from the University of Hawaii. It's great to be back talking with you. Um, curious about this project and you want to look up more and find out more, you can go to the webpage, which is unidescription.org, U-N-I description.org. Uh, you also can download our free mobile apps and listen to audio description from more than 120 different national parks around the country. And by to do that, um, you just again go to your app store and type in UNI description in the search 
and the app will pop up. It's again a free um, download, free to use. There's never any cost for you to listen to this great description that we spent so much time making. And I hope you give that a try. And uh, especially in this pandemic time, it's a good chance to uh, travel around the country and, and learn about the precious places of the United States. Um, but do it safely um, in the comfort of your own home and you know, listen to some of the great descriptions that we've made and um, get a sense of how we do things. So when there's a chance for you to travel in the future, you'll be able to use the unit description descriptions as a way to get yourself ready for the trip and give, give yourself some information about a place you're going to visit if you're going to go to a national park or a fish and wildlife uh refuge or something like that and then um, that is very helpful in setting the stage for your trip um, in terms of planning and what you want to do and how you want to do it and what amenities are there and all of that so I'm hopeful you'll find this very useful and you'll be um, uh, glad that we've we've done all this work to make these places more accessible and the first step I guess is just to listen to what we've done and let us know how we're doing so again, um, go to your app store, download the unit description app, listen to some descriptions of some of your favorite places, and um, let us know how we're doing. So on the website, unidescription.org, there is um, a contact form that allow you to, to uh, contact us and let us know, um, you know what we're doing right and what we're doing we could do better. So I thought a good way to start this would be to read a description, and I'll just take one kind of randomly here from our collection. Um, this is from the Statue of Liberty National Monument. It's describing a sepia-toned horizontal illustration, and the description that um, we created during this project is, Immigrants stand on a crowded deck of a steamship entering New York Harbor. The ship is in the foreground and is about to pass the Statue of Liberty on its port side. The statue is in the right background of the illustration. It is just a silhouette of the iconic landmark. Many of the immigrants look toward the statue. Some point toward her. Trying to get a better look, other climb, others climb to the ship's rigging. And the caption on this illustration is Immigrants and Statue from Frank Leslie's Illustrated Newspaper. Um, and there's some related text here. So above and below this illustration is the text of the 1883 Emma Lazarus poem, The New Colossus. It reads, Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name a mother of exiles. From her beaconed hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the airbridge harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. So this kind of description uh, we put together for every image that would be on a National Park Service brochure in the parks that we've worked with, which again are more than 120 parks. So if you're going to say visit the Statue of Liberty and you normally um, 
would want to know a little bit about the site before you get there. You, uh, you might say, well, what's the orientation uh, media? And the media that people would get would be a brochure made out of paper and with pictures on it and text, and it's a completely silent brochure. So what we have focused on in this project is taking all those brochures and, um, number one, translating the existing text and the existing uh, material, captions and whatever, into um, text that can be read by a screen reader. And then number two, um, every image, every map, every illustration, every collage that's on these um, on these brochures, we have translated into um, audio described text. And then that way, through our mobile apps, um, you can uh, open these up on your phone and you can listen to them and you can have the same exact orientation or an equivalent or orientation to anybody else who comes to a National Park Service site. So we're very excited about that. It's been um, a lot of work. We've started in 2014 um, when the project began. It was uh, began with just a box of brochures that was mailed to us and we said, can we make these accessible? And so since that date, we've um, spent many years building uh, web, uh, the website. We're building uh, open access, open source online tools for the production of audio description. And maybe a new quirk that you haven't heard too much about, or relatively new, is what we call the descriptathon. And so a descriptathon is like a hackathon. Um, a hackathon is is an event that was brought, you know, usually brought together with uh, computer programmers and tech people, and they'd say we have this this problem we want to we want to solve by getting our buses to run on time or or whatever. And um, these tech people would write their computer code in a in a few days or a day or two, and they'd compete with each other to see who could do the best job on it. So these hackathons became very popular with um, computer scientists and um, people who program computers. And we thought, well, okay, we have a, a, a uh, situation where part of our problem is um, programming. We need programs to do these work, this work because audio description um, in, before our project had primarily been done uh, by individuals recording their voices um, performing uh, live audio description or, or any number of other means, but we wanted to make a, a durable, um, accessible product that could allow people to access this information at any time, not just like one day a month or something like that. So we had to. First thing we had to do was kind of build out. Um, well, first thing we had to do was figure out what exactly do people know about audio description. Um, and, when it, and what do people value in it? And then what do researchers know from scientific study of audio description, like what works and what doesn't? And then what do, um, what do audio describers do that are very successful? So we call those best practices. And then people, we, we learned about the best practices. We learned about what empirical study had been done about audio description. And then we we built a on, an online tool set that allowed um, that information to be shared and also to have people produce audio description through um, a computer program. 
And this computer program would basically, or what it basically does is you, you type in the script of your audio description and it produces a machine voice version um, as well as a digital marked up version that screen readers can use. So the kind of job of all of this is to have somebody take a brochure, figure out how it could be described, and then spend the time to um, describe every image, describe every map, etc. So um, part of the part of the challenge of all this has been: uh, so how do we how do we get somebody to be comfortable to do this um, uh, describing, and then how do we give them the tools to do this, and then how do we disseminate the information? And that was the mobile app part. And all this sort of came together in this idea of the descriptathon. So the descriptathon again is it's like a hackathon in the sense that you bring people together for a very short time. In our case, we bring t- people together for three days. Um, uh, the the three days are just action packed from morning to night, where people uh, are on teams that are a mix of. National Park Service staff, National Park Service volunteers, and ACB members. So it's not um, not ACB members at the end of the line um, taking what's already been done and saying thumbs up, thumbs down. It's ACB members involved in the process from the from the beginning. So when this production process begins. Um, ACB member is there the first day talking with the staff and listening to how they're working on their descriptions and so through this drafting process um, there's direct um, involvement in the process uh, with ACB members and we've probably had um, I don't know let's say 50 to 100 ACB members who have participated in the unit description project um, so far and we're definitely want more people so if you're listening to this and you think this might be fun and you want to participate let me know and we'll get you on the list for the next descriptathon which will be coming up in the uh, probably late fall of 2021 and the descriptathon is an event that um is all virtual, so you don't have to go anywhere. You just have to have a computer and a, a smartphone of some sort. It can be an Android or an iOS phone. And then have a computer where you can um, do some typing and um, emails and things like that. So the, the basic requirements are, um, do you enjoy audio description? Do you enjoy national parks? Um, do you have a computer? And do you have a smartphone? And if all those are good, the rest of it is um, we, we, we would be happy to welcome anybody um, with any kind of visual impairment or blindness uh, to our teams. So if you want to do that, I'd, I'd, I hope you can let me know and we'll add you to the next set of teams. So basically, an ACB member gets put on a team with um, National Park Service people, for example, like the Statue of Liberty team. And you get put on there with volunteers, and the first thing your group will do is review the um, brochure and figure out how many descriptions you have to write and what those descriptions are about. And then if you're writing a description about an illustration or a photograph or a, 
or a map, then you have to kind of figure out, like, why is this in the brochure in the first place? Why, why do we have this, this uh, map in here? Why do we have this image in here? And once you understand the purpose of it, then you can make a great description about the, um, about the uh, visual piece of media and, and, and uh, share that in an equivalent way with people who are blind or visually impaired. And so over the course of three days, um, we do training on audio description. We teach people about it. We tell people about the research that's been done. We tell people about best practices. We have um, practice contests where, um, for example, we practice describing a portrait of, say, Abraham Lincoln. And then um, for the hackathon part, which is a, a contest, a tournament, we have basically a basketball type tournament where each team is placed into a bracket and they compete against another team in each round. And then in each round, um, everybody describes the same piece of visual media, like um, again, a, 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 let's say a, an illustration of the Wright brothers playing. And, um, and then those descriptions are compared side by side by, guess who, ACB members. So ACB members help to write them, and then they turn their, uh, they put on their other hat, and they become the judges of the of the tournament, and they help decide which of the two descriptions were better and why, and then they they tell those teams um, their judgment on it. You know, which do they like? Why did they like it? And then the teams um, who win the rounds advance in the tournament, and the teams who don't win the rounds go into a consolation bracket. It's not really that much of a different process whether you're in the main tournament or the consolation bracket, but there's a lot of fun prizes involved where people win prizes along the way. There's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of um, just a really abridging of... Uh, park service staff with ACB members with volunteers and like bringing everybody together on this common purpose of making their park site more accessible and when they do that they um, they get a, a sense of like what um, what is a what's what's the value of this experience for any person to come to a park site well they learn about precious public resources and they um, get a chance to maybe be in the outdoors, depending on what kind of park it is, and um, they get to learn about history and politics and, you know, invention and all the innovation, all the American ingenuity of, the, of, uh, of our, our past. And, um, and it's just a great chance to kind of connect deeply with, with American uh, roots and culture. And on the park service, from the park service perspective, this this whole public resource is available because taxpayers support it and they fund it, including everybody listening to my voice. And all of you have a stake in these national parks, and all of you are welcome, and all of you are um, uh, wanted in these national parks. And so the that one of the complications has been how do we make the media accessible for people who are blind or visually impaired and how do we how do we make an equivalent experience so everybody feels like they're uh, included in this in this uh, place this precious place that everybody loves and so that's part of what we're doing here is building these experiences that are audio only and they're 
designed specifically for people who are blind or visually impaired, and that gives people who are blind or visually impaired a a um, access point to get into the park site and get into the media about the park and to start to understand why did we why did we put aside this park um, at all? Why is it even here? And what's in, why is it important? Why is it a national park? Meaning it transcends state borders, local borders. It's something that the whole nation values. And because of that, we want to make sure uh, if the whole nation values it, then the whole nation should be able to, to go into it and um, should be able to learn about it and participate in that special place. And so this hackathon, descriptathon that we do, that brings people together. They learn about description. They um, write description. They share description. And we give it away um, in an open access, open source form. So everything we make is grant funded. Um, there's never a cost to the producers or users of this. And, um, and our real goal is to make the world an accessible place. So how do we audio describe the world? That's um, been, been our mantra. And so what we think about is, okay, so who's done something like this? I think the people who are deaf or hard of hearing have had a lot of success getting most things captioned. So why can't we do the same thing for audio description? Why can't we make every piece of visual media have an audio description to it as well. It's not that much more work. It's, it's something that actually can be integrated quite a bit just into the, um, into the uh, primary channel when someone's creating it. They can do a lot of description just as they go. And then whatever augmenting of description that's needed, that can, that can be provided as well. And we want to make a socially inclusive experience where people are um, not, for example, uh, sitting in a, in a special booth and listening to the audio description while their friends and family members are going around the park and having fun. Uh, what we want is audio description that's in your phone, you can listen to it, you can walk around, you can talk with your friends and family, you can stop at any point, you can... Um, navigate around the content it's not just one long file it's broken down into into uh, parts that are easy to jump between depending on where you're at and what you want to know about and um, and we've just had a, a tremendous amount of success and interest in uh, in these descriptions once we've made them and put them into the public's ear and what we found is that people Number one, of course, love national parks. Uh, people love to feel like a national park is inclusive and wants everybody to be there. And if people are blind or visually impaired, this is a chance for um, a, a visitor to have agency and have a choice in what goes on. So. Instead of say, I'm going to the park with my friends and family and I don't really know what's there, but I'll just go along for the ride and do, you know, have some fun. Um, in this case, with using the audio description we provide, a person can, a blind or visually impaired person can listen to the description about the park, learn about the park, learn about what might interest you, what you might want to do, 
And then when your friends and family are saying, let's go, you can say, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. And also, you know, I'm really interested in in uh, this part of the park. Sounds pretty cool. I'd really like to do that. And, um, and that kind of agency we found has been very, very important. And um, some of the some of the comments I've received have been uh, really moving to me to hear how this has changed people's lives. So I hope. I hope you give it a chance. I hope you um, think that national parks are for you. Uh, they want to be open and accessible and transparent and and serve your needs. And uh, this audio description we provide is just the start of it. It's not the end. There's a, there's a whole bunch of audio description that still needs to be added, but um, the National Park Service is committed to to doing that kind of description. They're committed to making parks more accessible. And in our part, we're, tr we're trying to help everybody uh, feel included. So um, so I hope, hope you feel that way. And I hope you feel our project, the unit description project has been made for you and to serve you. And um, any way I can make it better, I hope, hope you um, give me an email or a call and let me know um, how I can make I can make a more accessible world for you. And again, I just am really thankful to be invited. Um, again, HAB is my home affiliate. So um, I, I know, know quite a few of you just uh, from our previous talks. And uh, I hope this added a little bit more information that you might find interesting. And I'll look forward to talking with you soon and, and hopefully seeing you at a national park soon. And having you um, listen to our audio description and having you tell me all about it. And, and um, I'm just really looking forward to building a strong relationship um, with HAB and our, our local national parks in Hawaii, but also when you go to the mainland. Um, I also want you to be able to, to uh, have a great time at all the national parks there too. So I'm running out of time. I hope hope you feel like that was a worthwhile um, introduction to the site but and the project. And uh, if you have any other questions, just let me know. Again, Brett Opegard, B-R-E-T-T dot O-P-P-E-G-A-A-R-D at Hawaii dot E-D-U is my email. Brett, B-R-E-T-T dot O-P-P-E-G a-A-R-D at hawaii.edu and um, I'll look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you again for inviting me. I hope you have a great rest of your conference. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Opegard. Um, and that's a really wonderful project. And and I, I I didn't know about the Descriptathon. That sounds like such a wonderful way to do this in like a fun way. And, and uh, everybody wins, right? Everybody wins. So um, let, let's get right into the next one. We, we are trying to stay on schedule here. But um, next up, we have from I Can Connect, uh, we have a uh, let's see, support contact. Uh, her name is Leah Newman. And you are also going to be hearing from a couple of our uh, members, K.R. Wright and uh, Lance Kamaka. So let's get into it. Hello, my name is Leah Newman and I work for the Helen Keller National Center 
and I am joined by Lance Kamaka and K.L. Wright to talk about the I Can Connect program, which is also known as the National Deaf-Blind Equipment Distribution Program. So an overview of our program is that we provide free distance communication equipment and training to people with both significant hearing and vision loss who meet federal disability and income eligibility guidelines. And this program was created to help partic participants connect with friends, family, community, and the world, which I feel is so important right now, especially during a pandemic, to be able to have those connections with other people um, in your community and in the world. So the goals of our program are to promote increased independence, reduce isolation, enhance social interaction, and um, this program is for distance communication and not face-to-face -face communication. Some background on our program is it is part of the landmark 2010 federal law, the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, administered by the Federal Communications Commission. And one of the reasons this program was started was because a group of people with combined vision and hearing loss went to the FCC and let them know that they did not feel safe and that they could not call 911 uh, in case of an emergency because they didn't have that accessibility with um, the equipment that's currently out there. Um, and this program was a five-year pilot program and became a permanent program as of 2017. And this the Connect program is available in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So it's available in every state, territory, and commonwealth. And I myself cover Hawaii and the Pacific Islands. To be eligible for this program, you need to have significant combined vision and hearing loss that causes difficulty in distance communication, meaning you need to have be legally blind and have 200 20 over 200 vision with correction or have a progressive condition such as glaucoma, macular degeneration, uh, it, or different um, syndromes such as Usher syndrome that would cause that vision loss. And then for hearing loss, you need to have a mild to profound loss that impedes communication. And then for income eligibility, you need to have a household income of less than 400% of the federal poverty rate or qualify for low income assistance programs such as SSI, Medicaid, or food stamps. And on our application, we provide the chart uh, for the federal poverty rate. And so you're able to look at the number of people in the household versus how much uh, you're able to in, make annually to qualify for this program. The I Can Connect program provides the individual with an assessment to begin with once your all of your application and supported uh, documentation are submitted. We have an assessment to inform suitable equipment and software per the individual's hearing and vision loss. Uh, we look at distance communication goals and existing equipment and technical skills that the consumer has. And what is really great about this program is we don't just provide an assessment and equipment for the consumer. 
We also provide the training uh, for all the different types of equipment. And we on Hawaii are uh, work with the Island Skill Gathering, which is an amazing company that provides training for assistive technology. And our trainers go to all of the Hawaiian islands and work with our clients. And they also don't just provide one-time training. They will keep working with the client until they feel comfortable with the product. Or for example, if a pandemic arises, um, the client may want more training on Zoom or Google Meet or different online communication platforms. And our clients are able to contact the trainers and receive more training on the equipment that they have from our program in order to be more connected with the people around them. So for our program, we provide amplification devices as well, but we do not provide hearing aids. And then we also provide braille devices, but we don't provide training on how to read braille. To apply for our program, each seat has its own application and that can be downloaded from the iCanConnect.org website, or you can let HAB know and I can uh, connect with you to to provide an application for you. And I can also assist with completing that application. And then after you're accepted, then we'll go through the steps of the assessment and uh, the installation and then get your training started. The equipment in our program range from different types of smartphones or mobile devices, computers, laptops, tablets, braille devices, signalers, uh, software, such as a JAWS program, uh, and also amplification devices, such as speakers or headphones and different types of large keyboards. We have a lot of different great equipment out there and you can access some of that equipment on the iCanConnect.org website. There's a link called equipment and you can read about different equipment that we have to offer. It's not all listed on that website, but uh, there's a good, a good amount of things posted on there for you to check out. And uh, that is my part for today. And now I'm gonna pass it to Lance and Kao to talk about how the program has impacted them. My name is Lancelot Kamaka and I was first introduced to the I Can Connect in 2012. Prior to that, I had an iPhone. I, I got an iPhone 4S and I was using it to do texting. And um, But I was using Siri at the time and Siri with its flaws, um, had you know would would text me wrong messages um people received the wrong stuff and i got so irritated that i had to really learn how to use gestures prior to the i can connect um um then in 2012 like i was saying i was uh, introduced to I can connect and I am so thankful because it opened up a new world for me. Um, I got my first braille note from Humanware and I was able to 
write really quickly, send out my text messages, my email. I could receive them in Braille. Um, it was a really, really just, just a new world for me. I, I was so in love with the texting that I had to get unlimited. Um, and so the first device I got from I Can Connect was um, from Humanware, a Braille Note Apex, which I must say, out of the, all the equipment, it lasted a long time, a little over two years. And then I got... Um, after that, my um, bro, no apex kind of broke down. And so I was, um, my rep suggested that I should try another device. So from I Can Connect, I got um, an upgraded version of a bro note taker, which was um, from Hims called Braille Sense YouTube. And I liked it very much. Um, and then it kind of broke on me, the, the, the keys um, broke on me after much typing and wear and tear. Uh, it didn't even last for, I, I would say, maybe about a year, less than a year. And I got the Polaris because I subscribed to a list that said that the Polaris was great. And I got a big raves about it. And so I got it. And then I had to get it repaired. Um, no fault of I can connect. It was just a fault of technology that I guess with newer technology, with its progress and more, more features, they tend to break down more. Uh, not like my Brono Apex, which lasted so long. But anyway, I'm very thankful that I Can Connect has um, allowed me to do these things. And that's it. Aloha, everybody. I am KL Wright. And I got started with the I Can Connect program back in 2015. My first unit, well, my first piece of technology was the Brown Note. Uh, the Braille Sense U2. And this opened up a lot of doors for me because I am often in a noisy situation and I have my iPhone with me with speech, but there should, I um, was struggling because I couldn't really hear very well. So we managed to get this Braille display to help me read email and text messaging for communication. And also I'm using it, I used it for a uh, broadcasting situations where I am a internet radio broadcasting, uh, broadcaster, and I used it for, um, for emailing listeners and also to look up song names and track, um, track albums also during the show and to communicate with, with listeners for uh, with the computer my next purchase that i got back in 2017 was the braille note touch plus and i got it from humanware and this was this unit was able um 
this piece of technology was able to it able it enabled me to help me out um, communicate with others as well, especially using email with it and also text messaging in a noisy situation. And I was also able to take notes when I was in the Professional Learning and Leadership Institute program, which I attended in 2019 until last March. So I think the ICANN Connect program has done a very great job, especially in the world of communications for us deafblind people. All right. Thank you so much. Um, so we are, I'll, I'll do one quick door prize and then we'll move into the next one. So uh, let's see, number four of our door prizes here. We've got a $25 Walmart gift card. Uh, oh, that was also donated by Lara Taniga. Thank you again for the, your donations, Lara. Uh, and uh, that is going to be going to uh why may uh da silva why may da silva so uh congratulations on that gift card it's a pretty good uh dollar amount there <laughs> so enjoy that gift card um and uh we'll just get right into the next speaker our next presenter which is going to be from uh the ATRC, Assistance, Assistive Technology Resource Center. Um, it's the executive director, and her name is Barbara Eshelwitz-Leung. Uh, so let's roll that video. Hello. We're with the Assistive Technology Resource Centers of Hawaii, also known as ATRC. <laughs> We're located in Honolulu, Hawaii, but we serve all of the Hawaiian islands and areas in the Pacific as well. So we want to spend our time with you talking about assistive technology for all disabilities. <clears throat> we are going to focus specifically, though, on technology for people who may be blind, may have vision challenges, and people who also might have a combination of blindness and deafness. So <clears throat> let me introduce myself. I'm Barbara fishlowitz Leong, the executive director. And here with me for this program is our deputy director, Monty Anderson Nitahara. So I'll let him share a little bit of who he is and why he's here. Hey, everybody. As she said, I am Monty Anderson Nitahara. I've been with ATRC for about four years now, and I'm working as the deputy director at the moment. I have um, been blind all of my life, although when I was younger, I did have some vision that allowed me to sort of hide. Yeah, I wasn't carrying a cane. I, I didn't have a dog at the time. And I could kind of shuffle around and keep to myself and you know, hide my disability. But uh, when I started college about 25 years ago, it was back in the mid-90s, I um, sort of embraced my blindness basically because I had no choice anymore. <laughs> and uh, I started using assistive technology. The first piece of assistive technology that I used was a computer with a screen reader built into it. And back then we were using... Windows 3.1, 2.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 3.0, 
using DOS, so I had uh, Window Eyes and Vocalize. I think those are the two programs that I had. And with that, I was able to uh, type out my documents and uh, into my term papers and even uh, take a lot of my tests using that method. I was also using Kurzweil 1000 at the time, which was a, uh, a, a scan and read program. Um, about five years later, I graduated to the JAWS screen reader. I've been using that ever since. JAWS is essentially, for those who don't know, it's a program that you install on a Windows operating system that allows you to use the computer without needing a screen. So ideally, or a mouse even. So ideally, everything can be controlled using a keyboard. And uh, the Kurzweil 1000 is still around. It works with a scanner hooked up to your computer. And you can scan uh, typed documents and have that information read back to you. There are other programs these days that allow you to do that with an iPhone or an iPad. And there's other um, standalone scanning devices that will turn text into speech. But um, I personally find that Kurzweil is probably the most accurate and the most reliable at this point. So, yeah, I've been using uh, AT for about uh, 25 years. Oh, yeah, another piece of technology I wanted to mention was the Victor Reader Stream. I really love that little device. It allows me to uh, record my lectures and notes and onto a standard um, SD card. And you can also uh, hook your device up to the National Library Service and download talking books you know, directly to the, the device. Really neat. So those are some of the pieces of technology that I commonly use here at the workplace. And also uh, some other devices that people will typically want to look at when they come in and uh, examine are some magnifiers, uh, some portable magnifiers that people can use. Um, persons who have vision remaining, say they're in a classroom setting and they're sitting in the back of the classroom and they want to see the front of the room they can turn on these magnifiers and um, be able to focus in on you know, anything in their surroundings. So those devices are pretty neat, and uh, we have them on loan here at ATRC in our, our loan library so people can borrow them and use them and see if it works for them before they actually invest in it. And Barb, would you like to tell talk about our loan program? Well, I'll talk about our loan program, but uh, let me say a little bit about myself. Uh, Monty and I are quite a team. I'm the executive director. Uh, I've been around for a few years um, running this program. We're part of a national um, technology program called Assistive Technology, and ours is Assistive Technology Resource Centers uh, here in Honolulu, but we serve the entire state. So I'm also a person with vision challenges, um, and fortunately those challenges um, have disappeared as um, technology has been made available. So some of the devices that Monty mentioned are of use to me, um, but things that are just built into computers now. I don't have to have a lot of add-ons because I can increase the font size, for example, on a computer screen, um, which just makes my life much simpler. Or 
on an iPhone, I can increase the font size. So that simple and expensive piece of technology has made a significant, significant difference for me. Or even something as simple as taking a picture of something far away and then magnifying it, right? Yeah. That's a really that's pretty cool. That's a really clever, clever thing. So if I'm uh, walking down the street, or um, I actually am a driver. I began to drive when I was 30 years old, um, thanks to technology. Um, um, I can use um, a camera to identify street signs, for example. Very important. We all want to know what street we're on. <clears throat> so um, I want to just interject here um, for those of you who are in the Hawaiian Islands. Our phone number is 808 532 7110. We have a Facebook page and we also have a website um, that will give you very, <coughs> excuse me, specific information um, about our organization. Um, one of the things that we do is have a loan program, and I'm going to back up a little before I talk about the loan program. If an individual calls us, and that individual could be a person with a disability, it could be a parent, it could be a grandparent, it could be grandma and grandpa who may be having some vision challenges. Um, we not only serve vision challenges for all those individuals, but we also serve persons who have hearing problems or are deaf. Uh, we also work with people with mobility-related issues, uh, and we also work with developmental delays um, and um, numerous learning disabilities. So we're across the board in terms of the kinds of services that we provide. But today, our plan was to focus more on the technology and the services um, for persons with vision challenges. Though, as I said, we are responsible, we're federally funded, and we're responsible for all disabilities. So, as I said, we're throughout the state of Hawaii, um, and we do work on the neighbor islands as well as here in Honolulu. Obviously, because this has been the year of covid um, we have not been out as much as we normally would be. So we have been doing Zoom programs and other types of podcasts uh, to, to keep in touch uh, with the community. Um, we welcome visitors to our office to see technology so you can actually come and touch it and try it out. What we want to prevent, um, and I think we've been successful with saying that not only for here in the Hawaiian Islands, but we have this program in 55, 55 other places, including the territories um, such as uh, the federated throughout the federated states of Micronesia, U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, um, Washington, D.C., New York, we're, we're everywhere. Um, but we want people to come in and see the technology and try that technology before they decide this is the technology I want. None of us want to waste money. So whether an item is $25 or $2,500, we have most items here that you can come in and touch it, try it, and see if it's the right item for you. Um, 
And then in addition to seeing it, touching it, feeling it here, you can borrow an item for up to six weeks and put it at your work desk or put it in your home environment um, to make sure that this is what you want. Now, the money. So the items that you may want to acquire may be covered through your insurance. And I'm kind of saying that carefully because it's a challenge, but it may be covered through insurance. It may be covered through the Department of Education. It may be covered through vocational rehabilitation. It may be covered through Department of Health. Regardless of where it is covered, we will help you find the financial resources to get the equipment that you need. We have a loan program, uh, meaning a financial loan program, through American Savings Bank. We've worked with them since 1997, and we've been very successful in people borrowing money. And don't worry if you think I don't have the, the necessary resources to borrow money. The loan program is designed for people who may have some financial um, challenges that would prevent them from normally participating uh, in a financial loan program. But we will do um, whatever it takes to get the technology that is going to make a difference in your life, regardless of your disability. Um, and I get, our experience with people is, if you want the technology, we will work with you to figure out how to get that technology. I'm just very, I just really want to make um, that clear. We're not going to say it's impossible. So in addition to some of the things that Monty talked about for uh, people who are blind, we also have products here that you can try if you have a hearing loss or if you are deaf, then we connect with other organizations in the state of Hawaii um, to make sure that you're getting the services that you need and we'll, we'll follow you along. We won't just push you out the door and say, okay, we can't do anything. We'll follow along with you until you get the kind of service that is, um, is useful for you. We also have a computer redistribution program. And if you need a computer and you're not able to obtain one by yourself, uh, we can provide a refurbished computer to you um, that will allow you to have access. So we try to be across the board in providing um, access to technology. We serve approximately 600 people a year, and um, it will be more again once we're post-COVID. Is that what it is, post-COVID? <laughs> so um, that, that, it's a very short description. I want to tell you our address again. We're located 200 North Vineyard Boulevard. We're next to Foster Garden. We're in the Aloha United Way building. Um, our room number is 430, and our phone number is 808-532-7110. And my name is Barbara, and my partner's name is Monty. And we have other staff. We have an assistive technology specialist. Uh, we have a resource person who's always out there looking for grant monies and opportunities so that we can add more resources to the services um, that we provide. 
And we have an office manager who keeps us organized. So that's who we are, and we would be more than happy to welcome you uh, into our facility. Just call and make an appointment. And you can visit us on the web at atrc.org. And I also wanted to mention, too, that we have a music club. And this is for musicians with disabilities and all of our friends. So it's not limited. You don't have to have a disability to participate. But um, we meet uh, the first Thursday of every month. And we're trying to uh, stream all of our meetings on Facebook. And uh, with our performances, we record them on video and upload them to our YouTube page. So please um, visit our ATRC Facebook page and you can find information on how to get linked up with the music club. So please pass that around. You want to talk specifically about how to get on our our pages? Do you have that in your head? Well, you know, I, I have. We have a um, Facebook group for the music club. Um, so if you got your recorders ready, I'm going to give you the link for it. It's HTTPS colon slash slash www.facebook.com then it's slash groups g-r-o-u-p-s slash the music club hawaii and that will take you right to the invite page click on that invite link and uh, become a part of the the music club and what we try to do is analyze um, audio gear for its level of accessibility and uh, we try to encourage and motivate one another to pursue our musical interests and practice our instruments and you know it's a whole it's a whole gambit i mean we we educate we motivate and we try to help people learn more about social media so they can get their creations online and distributed you know around the world so that's it's one of our our primary focuses so please uh stop on by so well, we can talk about specific pieces of technology, but the reality, as I have learned, is that there's not one technology that fits everybody. It's unique, and that's one of the advantages in Hawaii as well as the other states, that there are services so that people can have this opportunity to try equipment before they purchase it individually or before they work within the state system um, that will pay for that technology. So uh, another thing that we forgot to mention is the Veterans Administration also does a lot of work um, in getting technology for persons with disabilities. So that's also if you have any connection uh, with the Veterans Administration where technology is available. I just want to assure you, and I, I won't regret saying this, we have yet not, I mean, we get what somebody needs. It takes effort, but we will work with you to get the technology that you want, um, that you want to need. So we want you to come by. We want you to call, make an appointment, and see the technology. Because I think coming and touching it, trying it out, uh, makes all the difference. And, you know, if if your disability or your disabling condition um, has come into your life at a later point, you might not be really comfortable with technology. And that's why we want you to 
try it before you actually um, decide that you're going to use it. Um, it's just wonderful. We have um, some older adults who come in and um, they're amazed at the difference that a CCTV, closed circuit television system that magnifies, for example, um, can make in their life. And uh, if you've not interacted with one of these, it's pretty amazing because not only does it increase the size of whether you're looking at a book or a magazine or a postage stamp, um, it also will read the items to you. So you have two ways of interacting through a CCTV. Um, so thank you for having us. We look forward to hearing from you. And our phone number again is 808-532-7110. And in case you forget that, you can call me directly at 7112, or you can call Monty directly at 7111. Either one of us or any of our staff is happy to make sure you can interact with technology that's going to make a difference in your life. So um, mahalo, and we look forward to working with you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. So uh, let's give some uh, let's give some stuff away. So uh, let me check my list here. Uh, number we've got uh, our fifth door prize of the day. And this is a, a hefty one. This is a $40 uh, gift card to Long's or, or CVS. Uh, it's uh, from, oh, it's from Maureen Sheedy and Jim Earhart. Thank you so much, Maureen and Jim, for the very generous uh, door prize here. So let's see, who is our winner? Da, 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 da. It is Kylie Kamioka. Kylie Kamioka. So, Kylie, congratulations. You get to have a, a little shopping spree at Long's. So, <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, give a couple more out because we do have quite a few and we have a, a little bit of time here. So uh, our sixth uh, door prize of the day is, let's see, we've got another $25 Starbucks gift card from donated by, oh, Larry, Lara Tanigawa. Geez, Lara, so many, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I, would, I would love to be your nephew, Lara. Um, so, uh, let's see, who do we have here? Uh, we have as our winner, Candy, uh, let's see, Waper, Waper. I, I hope I got that right. Candy, uh, congratulations, Candy. And, uh, let's do another one. All right. So our next, uh, prize is, uh, three more. Oh, handmade masks by, of course, uh, Mona. Uh, Mona Yamada, thank you so much, Mona, for the beautiful masks. Uh, so let's see, who is our winner? Da, 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 da. Let me check here. We've got our winner is... Dun, dun, dun. I don't see it. <laughs> one second, one second. Hang on, it's not popping up here. Okay, so we've got uh, Sally... Uh, Sally Hammond, Sally Hammond. So congratulations for that. And uh, let's do one more and then we'll, we'll call the morning break, uh, which will be 10 minutes. Uh, so our eighth, eighth uh, door prize of the day is going to be another $25 Amazon gift card donated by, oh, Kyle Lacanzi. Thank you so much, Kyle. Who's going to get to buy something on Amazon? Uh, that will be 
Hope Hatake Naka. Hope Hatake Naka. Congratulations, Hope. Uh, hope you enjoy that. But uh, again, I just want to say, you know, uh, wonderful morning program so far. I think um, kudos to all of our speakers and everyone that has already uh, come up to speak. Um, you know, it's just, it just amazes me every year how, you know, when we call upon the library or Pono or any of the other speakers that came up, you know, ATRC, um, I can connect, you know, they're always willing to just jump right in and say, yes, sure. You know, um, we'd love to be part of that program and help you folks out. So again, you know, kudos to you guys and thank you for helping us with our program. Uh, we do have plenty more for you. And uh, part of that uh, is also uh, plenty more door prizes. Actually, we have, uh, I believe, 28 in total. And we've only given about eight. So that means more stuff to give out. So uh, let's, let's do just a, a few more. And then we'll get into our next guest who is waiting for us uh, live from LA. So that's cool. Uh, but just really quickly, we'll, we'll go through a, a few more of these. So uh, our ninth door prize of the day is a $25 Zippy's uh, gift card donated by Ronette uh, Nakaima. Uh, so thank you so much for that. And uh, who's going to win it? It's going to be, uh, oh, Vivak Narikar. Congratulations, Vivak. You're going to Zippy's. <laughs> uh, all right, let's give just a couple more uh 25 visa gift card oh so you can use that anywhere visa is accepted uh that is donated by oh hey vicky and jim kennedy thank you so much vicky and jim uh let's see who is the winner here let me i don't see it uh let's see who is the winner suspense suspense it is uh oh carol hota carol hota congratulations carol and uh, let's see, let's give, uh, let's give two more because we have so many. <laughs> so uh, next one is a $25 Starbucks gift card donated by uh, oh, Leslie Spoon. Thank you so much, Leslie. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and let's see, who is the winner? Uh, Stacy uh, Aldrich, Stacy Aldrich, wonderful. And uh, we'll do one last one, one last one, and then we'll, we'll get to our next speaker. Uh, so number 12, number 12 of the day would be, let's see. Whoa. Okay. This is a big one. Hey. All right. So $50 Amazon gift card. You can go on a little shopping spree there. And, uh, that is, do Oh, donated by anonymous. So thank you so much anonymous for your very generous, uh, donation there. And that is going to be going to drum roll. That's going to Chloe Rose, congratulations, Chloe. I hope you enjoy that. That's a that's a nice little door prize there. All right, so uh, I'll I'll be I'll be giving away more stuff very soon. But first, let's get back to our program. And uh, our next speaker is going to be uh, the vice president of Be My Eyes. Uh, like I said, he's uh, calling in live from L.A. So welcome, uh, Will Butler. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, what aloha, as they say. <laughs> I've never been to Hawaii, but uh, but I, I feel like I'm halfway there. Thanks so much. Uh, can you guys hear me all right? 
Believe yes, we can. Good. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, it's great to be here today, and um, I'm 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 really excited to talk a little bit about Be My Eyes and just about what what we're building with with the, the app and with our community in general. Um, and I just want to, I'm so grateful to the, uh, the Hawaii Association of the Blind for inviting me. It's been on my calendar for a while and it's been something I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully next time we'll be, uh, we'll be all together in person and, uh, yeah, thanks again. So, um, today I just, I wanted to, to introduce anyone who might not know about Be My Eyes to who we are and what we do. Um, but for those of you who are familiar with who we are and what we do, I've also got a lot of exciting news and announcements about how the Be My Eyes community is growing and expanding and um, always sort of, uh, we're always adding new features and, and new, uh, new opportunities and ways that you can use the app. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for some of those fun announcements. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I want to start out by just sort of giving an introduction. My name is Will Butler. I am VP of Community at Be My Eyes. And I'm from California, born and raised in California. And I'm legally blind. I was born as a sighted person. And I lived for the first um until my teenage years, uh, completely sighted. Uh, though I always did struggle a little bit to see. Um, and I, don't, I never identified as someone with low vision, but it was always a part of my life. And I would have to sit in the front of the classroom. I'm sure many of you know what it's like to be that kid. And uh, I, I, you know, it wasn't until I was a teenager that I started to really lose vision in, in, in one of my eyes. And then when I was 19, in my good eye. So right as I was getting into college, I was faced with this prospect of now being legally blind. And it was a very um, kind of scary moment. And there was a lot of uncertainty. And there weren't a lot of people who were there to tell me what I was supposed to do to adapt. The doctors weren't totally helpful. Uh, I had some um, counselors through the Department of Rehab, which were helpful, but I didn't see them very often. And so it wasn't a, it wasn't a kind of like full-on program. And I really was a little, a little lost. And it took me a few years even to pick up a white cane or even consider a mobility aid. And as soon as I did that, my life changed for the better. And so I, I think what I really learned um, at that younger age is that there are tools out there that can make our lives infinitely better and make us feel infinitely more confident about doing the things that we love doing. Um, so, I, I'm really proud to be working for a small startup today that makes one of these tools. And uh, for those of you who might not know it, it, the app is called Be My Eyes. You can download it onto your phone, whether you have an iOS device like an iPhone or an iPad or onto a Android device. So like uh, any Samsung, uh, 
you know, phone running an Android operating system um, from the Google Play Store. So once you download Be My Eyes, it's a very simple app. You register with your email address um, or your Facebook or your Google account, and then you're up and running. And there's just a couple buttons, and it allows you to call someone and get visual interpretation, visual assistance over a live video connection anytime you need it. But let me back up a little bit and talk just a little bit about how Be My Eyes came to be because it's a pretty interesting story and, uh, and it starts in Denmark. There was a, a gentleman named Hans Jörn Wieberg who was a furniture craftsman and, um, it, and led a very interesting life in, in, in Denmark. But he also had this condition that he'd been dealing with his whole life that many of you may be familiar with called retinitis pigmentosa. And so Hans was gradually losing vision. And this was right around the time, um, right around 2013 or 14, when, when you started being able to make video calls on a phone, he realized that this was a way that he could get help from people he knew. So he started making FaceTime or Skype calls on his phone to friends and family and pointing the phone camera at whatever it is he needed help reading and his friends or family would, would easily oblige. And he thought, this is really cool. I, I don't have to be with someone in order to receive um, assistance. If something isn't accessible, I can just make a call. The problem was it gets old after a little while, right? Uh, and if you have someone, if you're lucky enough to have one or two people, you can always call when you need visual assistance. Uh, how many times can you do it before they go, oh, this person's calling me again, they must need help. Not just simply, oh, they wanna talk to me, or they wanna hang out. So he thought, there's all these other people all around the world. And anytime I walk out the door of my house, practically, somebody tries to help me. Uh, whether it's helped me cross the street or tell me where I'm going or tell me to look out for this thing or be careful of that thing. And the irony is when you're in your own environment, when you're in your own neighborhood um, and you've got your routine down, you don't always need that help. But when you, when you do end up needing assistance and support is often when, you're, when no one's watching, when you're by yourself. So we thought, what if all these people out here who want to help could be available to help when I actually need assistance. And that was the concept of Be My Eyes was, what if we created an app where people could volunteer to be the eyes of people who need it? So we launched the app at the beginning of 2015 with very little idea about how, um, how well it would go. We weren't sure uh, if it was going to uh, get any signups at all. And without any marketing, overnight, we had 10,000 people sign up for the app and 1,000 blind and visually impaired users. So that was remarkable. We immediately understood that we were on to something. And we had 10,000 people who wanted to help people see. So we went to work uh, translating the app into different languages. We were in 30 languages within just a few weeks. And it just grew and grew from there. So today, we are one of the largest volunteering communities in the world and one of the largest communities of blind and low vision people in the world globally. We have about 5 million volunteers 
and about 300,000 blind and low vision users, all using the app on a daily basis, uh, making calls, getting the site support they need, and, and uh, really helping each other. Because in many ways, um, I think the reason the community grew the way it did is because people want to help each other. People want to uh, engage with one another. That, that, I think, is the most core social interaction is I help you and you help me. Um, and so Be My Eyes is an app that allows people to do that. And in a time when um, so many of the apps on our phone are simply vying for our attention or trying to get us addicted or to use them more and more and more, and they don't always leave us feeling good. But when a Be My Eyes call ends, typically both people at the end of the call feel good. The user has their problems solved and the volunteer was able to help in a meaningful way, but a simple way. Uh, typically we have Be so today we have Be My Eyes calls running on our platform in about 185 languages in almost every country you could imagine. And Be My Eyes calls are happening every minute of the day. Um, someone in New Zealand might be helping someone in the United States. Someone in England might be helping someone in Nigeria. Uh, all day long, these calls are crisscrossing the globe uh, and people just assisting each other. And the calls are not very long. So when you make a Be My Eyes call, Oftentimes, you know, the average is maybe two minutes, three minutes, but oftentimes the calls don't last more than 30 seconds. It could be something as simple as, hi there, I'd like to know if my oven is set to 350. Yes, it is. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, 15 seconds even um, to just get a site check on whatever it is that you're, that you're dealing with that isn't accessible. Um, what kind of things are people using the Be My Eyes app for? Well, as I said, the most, one of the most common things is reading those inaccessible LEDs, those uh, displays on whether it's a home appliance or a thermostat, your air conditioner, your heater. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of us live in units where our appliances are unfortunately not accessible. Uh, maybe you're applying bump dots to your microwave and you're, to label it better. You want to make sure you've done it correctly. Or, um, you know, maybe that dang thermostat just is, is, has to be reset. And unfortunately, there's no speech on it. These are great ways of using Be My Eyes. But people also uh, use it for much more creative things all day long as well. We have quite a few uh, uh, fashionable folks who are very passionate about making sure that they look good when they walk out the door. Um, you know, folks who are going to church or people who are going to meet up with their friends or go out for a night on the town. And they want to make sure that, you know, the, the, the jacket that they're putting on looks good with the pants that they've chosen. Or, and so we have a lot of actually a surprising number of clothing consultations. Um, some people who are bold enough to turn the camera on to themselves even um, will, will ask uh, someone's opinion on their makeup. Um, it's not unheard of. Uh, and then, and then, of course, technology is a huge part of it. So when you're struggling with a computer, or maybe you got something in the mail from from Amazon, and you're trying to put it together, anything you might need a pair of eyes for is something they can help with. We've, hey, we've, Will, this is Monica. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to tell you you have about seven minutes left for your presentation in case you want to take questions. Perfect. Okay, wonderful. Um, yeah. So. 
uh, we've heard incredible uh, stories almost every day about how people are using the app. Um, we've heard about people checking their wedding dress before they walk down the aisle. We've heard about um, a, a parent checking their kid's homework. Uh, and my personal favorite is the gentleman who uh, heard a noise in his backyard and he pointed, be uh, he made a be my eyes call and pointed it out the window. And he, he said, I'm hearing a noise in the backyard. And the volunteer said, oh, well, I don't hear anything. Uh, I don't see anything unusual, just your dog. And the man said, well, I don't have a dog. And so that he said, well, there's definitely a dog in your backyard. So he said, well, does he look friendly? He said, yeah, he's very, looks very friendly, wagging his tail. So together with the Be My Eyes volunteer, they approached the dog and they were able to read the tag on the dog's collar and return the dog to its owner, which is pretty incredible. And I don't know of any other app um, that can allow you as a blind person to do something like that. It's a pretty special experience. Um, but the, the fun announcements today are about all the ways that Be My Eyes is expanding as a community. So we started out as this volunteer network, but we're a lot more than that today. And um, we've added a second feature to the app called Specialized Help. And this allows you to call an expert, right? An agent, professional from a company, um, who can give you video customer support. So it's just like a Be My Eyes call, except instead of talking to a volunteer, you're talking to a tech support agent. Um, you're talking to um, a, 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 medic, uh, a pharmaceutical professional, someone who is really an expert on whatever topic you're calling about. So over the last year, um, we've added an incredible number of companies and you can now make Be My Eyes calls in our specialized section of the app Anything from, uh, let me just give you some, throw out some names, Microsoft offering tech support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Google, Google's open also almost every day of the week. Uh, accessible pharmacy services, which is a mail order pharmacy that some of you might have heard of. You can call them for help with prescriptions, drug interactions, questions about COVID-19 tests or vaccinations. Um, Verizon Wireless is on specialized help. All of these companies are providing video support through Be My Eyes. And you don't have to download another app or find a phone number to somewhere else in order to reach them. You just click on specialized help in the app and you can give them a ring. The yellow pages for um, a directory of, of accessible companies you can call for video support. Um, it's, it sounds like, so the, the people that help when you call somebody up and that person that is helping, they are volunteers. Is, is that correct? You were saying volunteers. So, so you have two options in the Be My mm -hmm. app. You can call a volunteer or you can call an expert and the experts are, those are in the specialized help section of the app. Mm -hmm. So those are paid employees at Google or Microsoft or Verizon or oh, any of okay. the other places, right? It's video customer support. And then the, the volunteers are just people all around the world. And that is always free, unlimited, anonymous. You can call as many times a day as you need. Okay. We, we still have just a couple more minutes. So I, I do have another question. What about um, scaling? How, how has it been? Um, you know, because you said you, you had a big reaction at first. A lot of people signed up both on the user and the uh, volunteer side. Um, has it been tough to scale up? Have you been able to keep up with demand? And how's it going now? Uh, well, the technology is really powerful, right? And, and it really allows us to accommodate as many uh, calls as needed. One of the things that we worked really hard on over the last couple of years was to get connection times 
down to as few seconds as possible. So we actually reduced our connection times to by more than 50%. If you remember the Be My Eyes app of five years ago, it could take 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes to get some help from someone. Today, if you're speaking English in the United States, you can get help in less than 10 seconds, which is pretty incredible. Wow, yeah. So around how many users do you have now then? Uh, we have 300,000 users with blindness or low vision, mm -hmm. and we have 5 million volunteers. Wow, wow. wow that yeah. sounds really interesting. Yeah, and, and the other thing we've done is we've scaled is really tried to increase um, the content offerings that come along with the app. So we have incredible stories that we publish on the app every couple of weeks, and we're produce, producing a number of podcasts as well. Uh, the Be My Eyes podcast is interviews with blind and low vision people who are passionate about what they do. The 13 Letters podcast is mm -hmm. an accessibility and inclusive design podcast. And uh, we also do a fun one called Say My Meme, where we describe the internet's <laughs> funniest memes for those of us who can't see them. That is, oh, I love that. I love that idea. <laughs> There's so much online stuff that sometimes you miss out on. So, Yeah, uh, if you go to bemyeyes.com slash podcasts, uh, you can check them all out at once. Oh, that's great. Um, and, okay. and one last question, if there, there is a place for feedback, right? Like a user, can they send feedback? Can they tell you like, I'd like it if you do this or that? Absolutely. You can, you can click the mail button directly in the app Perfect. or you can send us an email at info at bemyeyes.com. Awesome. All right. So we, thank we you so much, a, Will. We do have a question oh. though. Oh yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. From Cynthia, feel free to ask your question. My question is, um, is there a cost for the time online? Uh, no, that, that's, been, that's one of the most important things to us, Cynthia, is that we don't charge anyone for using the app. We never do. Um, you, can, you can call uh, as many times as you need to and spend as much time as you need on the line. And as long as the volunteer, you know, and if a volunteer runs out of time, if they're busy or can't help, you can just call the next volunteer. There's 4.9 million more of them who will, who will be more than happy to spend as much time as you need with you. Thank you. That was very good to know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, special, the specialized help from companies as well is also free. So Microsoft will help you fix your computer uh, at no charge. And they'll spend as long as you need with you to fix whatever problem you might have. And those are all your questions, Will, for Wonderful. now. Beautiful. Will, thank you so much. That was great. And uh, thank you for answering those questions. Of course. I'm really happy to be here. And, uh, and please feel free to send us an email or, or uh, reach out. Thanks so much. Uh, and and I, hope, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Great. Thank you. All right. So Take care. Let's uh, squeeze in just a couple quick door prizes, and then we'll, we'll move right along. So um, our next one is going to be um, a $25 Amazon gift card uh, donated by – oh, Sharon Ige. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, and that is going to be going to da, 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 Robert Acosta. Robert Acosta, congratulations. You are getting an Amazon gift card. All right. And uh, one more quick one. Uh, that is going to be a $25 Walmart gift card. Nice. We've got a lot of nice gift cards here. Uh, oh, by Terry Higashi. Thank you. Oh, Terry and Anthony. I can't forget Anthony. Anthony Akamine. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, and uh, that is going to be going to Maureen Sheedy. Congratulations, Maureen. All right. 
So let me pull up my uh, list here. Our next speaker I'm going to introduce is going to be, let's see. Oh, okay. So from Island Skills Gathering, ISG, we're going to be hearing from the owner, uh, Wally Suarez. Hey, how's it? How's it? Aloha. My name is Wally Suarez and I'm with Island Skill Gathering. Most of you know us as ISG. We're a local small business here in Honolulu, and we provide support services and product sales to people with disabilities. We work mainly with assistive technology. Your friend and colleague, Vicki Kennedy, had asked me to share a little ditty about ISG as part of your HAB conference, which by the way, um, I'm impressed with your organization. You guys are into this, what, 50 plus years? Um, now I've been to a few of your meetings when there was a once upon a time when they actually held meetings all together at Norman's place and we all got together and that was very nice. I appreciated the uh, fellowship of the meetings, the sharing, the showing, the coming, the going, and I don't know, I thought it was a kako thing. It was my kai. Anyhow, I'm, uh, I'm glad to share a little bit about Island Skill Gathering, or ISG. I'm gonna do a, maybe an overview, sort of, of our humble beginnings, maybe our K-Day and where are we at right now? We, uh, gee, we started Island Skill Gathering back in 1989. So that makes us, what, 32 years and counting? Yeah, it's a long time, 32 years in business. Uh, Valerie and I started ISG. We had come from an independent living skills you know, we used to work with uh, Hawaii Centers for Independent Living. That's where I met Valerie. Later, we fell in love, got married. And then we decided that we were going to take our skills as independent living skills trainers and start our own business um, to provide services to people with disabilities. Um, I'm a person with a disability. I have a spinal cord disorder. I'm a power wheelchair user. Uh, Valerie, actually, her background is in deafness. Uh, she's a sign language interpreter. And so when we got together, we decided, yes, we were going to start Island Skill Gathering. And we called it that because what we were teaching, we were teaching people with disabilities to gather the skills needed to live independently. They, we, were working with DVR, Division of Voc Rehab, and Voc Rehab was helping people with disabilities find and maintain employment. So these people with disabilities were making money. And the next step, of course, is to be able to live independently if you so choose. Nothing wrong with living at home. I did till I was 20, six, 27 years old myself. But when it was time to move out independently, 
we were there to provide those support services um, and teach the skills. Maybe a good example is Valerie and I decided that one good way to help people with disabilities to gather the skills so that they could live independently was to in fact rent a house. So we rented a house in Kalihi. It was a three bedroom, two bath house. And we screened the right people so that they could afford and they were ready to gather the skills needed and help them move into this house where they participated in all of the kinds of things important and necessary to have a healthy happening household. And so we had three, four people at a time that lived at the house and they all shared in the housekeeping and meal preparation, which meant of course they needed to go to the store. And so people were learning how to manage their time and their money and housekeeping and laundry and shopping and all of that good stuff. And we kind of had a deal with people that they could stay there up to a two year period to learn and to grow and to get the whole gist of living independently. But after two years, it was their turn to move out on their own and let a new person come in where that they could begin to learn the important skill building to live independently. Again, perhaps not for everybody, but the folks we were working with, it was a good thing. <laughs> we even had a blind person, uh, no need name names, but yeah, we had a blind guy that uh, was one of his first uh, attempts at living independently and uh, he actually did quite successfully. I still see him around today. Um, anyway, that's sort of our humble beginning and why we were called Island Skill Gathering. Um, shortly after that, maybe you guys remember Robin Higa? Robin Higa worked with us. I think Art knows. Uh, Art Company Love would remember Robin. She was a wonderful person. She had a very important role in Island Skill Gathering in that she had come to us and said, look, in the newspaper, there was an ad that Voc Rehab, Division of Vocational Rehabilitation, was looking for vendors in the community to provide support services uh, for their rehab technology program. And we're like, hey, we could do that. I'm a person with a disability. I utilize assistive technology all the time. Oh, I people I know in some shape or form were using technology to either work or play or live independently. Um, so we decided to take a stab at it and that we did. And I guess looking back at it, I didn't really write a very well-written proposal, but BBR did hire us contractually to provide a small part of the contract. And over the years thereafter, we slowly got more and more of the contract, which um, was a wonderful thing because at one point it became a substantial $1 million contract. Not for us, we didn't earn all that money. The monies were really 
to buy technology for people with disabilities so that they could get a job, keep a job, excel in a job. And so that we did. Um, over the years, of course, we've had a number of people that have worked with us. Um, some came and went. Others have remained with us for uh, many years. Um, in addition to the staff that provided the services, we also had volunteers. Um, and at one point we were doing a lot of internships where people with disabilities, some of them blind or people with low vision, came to work with ISG to learn about the different kinds of technologies that the different disability groups would use so that they could do whatever they needed to do. And uh, after they did their internship with ISG, they went on to bigger and better things, I hope. Um, but right now we have a good core group of folks. There's of course myself, I coordinate a lot of the services and I work with JR, Joanne Rodriguez. She came to us, um, gee, I don't know, 15 years ago now. I'm gonna have to check with her. She might say not that long, but must've been about that long. And she came as our uh, office manager. We needed someone to help me manage the office. And over the years, as JR saw and understood and learned more about uh, technology for people with disabilities, she kind of gravitated toward the blind low vision technology. So she became much more familiar with it and could share and show and teach some of the features and functions of the technology. So she does much more of that now. I'm going to say in addition to the office management of ISG. So JR has been a very important and integral part of ISG for many years. Um, and again, I'm going to say that many of you know these people because our contract with DVR lasted for 20 plus years. So you might know uh, Roger Wiswello. He played an important role in our contract with VR in that after we did an assessment, after we met with people and said, okay, what are you trying to do? What do you need to do? If this is employment related, let's look at the essential functions of your job and let's figure out what piece of technology would be important and necessary for you to do that. And once we had identified that and client and consular and ISG agreed upon something, we would turn to Roger with Swello, who would make sure that we were purchasing the right technology. So it was a real collaborative effort on all players uh, involved to choose the right technology. And then of course, when it came to doing a lot of the blindness training of these products, we turned to someone that was very familiar with the devices and that would be your guy's own Art Cavanilla. So Art has been another guy that we, see, Art and I go way back now, 
he too might be 10, 15 years we've been working together. And we turned to Art to do all of our blindness training. So he plays an important role in ISG in that he knows the technology, he owns the technology, he uses the technology in his business and in his working with you guys, HAB. And so being very, very familiar with the products when it comes time to share it, it comes time to show it, to make sure that the devices are part of a person's success story, that's why we turn to art. So there's been others. Um, see, what comes to mind is uh, Jackson Hayden. He was a very important player. Uh, he was a retired Hewlett Packard engineer. He was an electrical engineer and he retired to Hawaii. And I, I met him one day and I told him, you need a job? And he said, yeah. We went on for 10 years like that. So Roger came to us in the same way. He was looking for some kind of wheelchair or something. He called us up by accident. And before you know it, we were eating pizza. And next thing I know, he was working with us. So ISG is based out of our home office here in Honolulu. I'm in Kapahulu, a few blocks outside of Waikiki. Um, our home is a completely accessible home for me with a physical disability, a wheelchair user. But we work with a lot of people with, uh, who are blind or low vision and they come here to ISG for assessments. If not, we go to their workplace or their homes or wherever they are going to employ the technology. So we do what we call support services and product sales. So when it comes to the product sales, it's because we have working relationships with different manufacturers and we are their local dealer here in Hawaii. So we work with companies like Enhanced Division, Humanware, Eschenbach Optic. I'm kind of naming the blind low vision companies because we mainly want to talk about blind low vision stuff here. And um, we've had long-term relationships with these folks too. We've had other relationships with other manufacturers, um, but we kind of boiled it down to who are the main vendors of uh, the technology that we want to work with. Um, and I'm not going to share or show any of that technology here and now today because everybody's situation is so very different. And for me to hold up one piece of equipment and ah, that's not what I need. That's not, that doesn't work for me because there's kind of the two different groups. Yeah. There's folks that have low vision. That means they have functional vision, but they still don't see very well. Their vision cannot be corrected by prescription glasses or other devices. And so they are gonna use stuff like a desktop or a portable video magnifier. They might need uh, a lighted magnifier or maybe even a magnifier that doesn't even have a, a light on it. Maybe something they can just keep in their pocket. So again, that's where that whole assessment process, process comes in because 
there's such an array of devices that everybody needs to try. And we're kind of big on that try before you buy because somebody you buy something that eh, winds up in the junk drawer, right? It's, yeah, it kind of works, but it's not really something I'm going to tote around with me. So we kind of like to make sure that people try before they buy. Um, of course, the other side of that disability coin on is blindness and people that don't have vision. And these are the folks that may use a Braille device. And again, there's all kinds of Braille devices. And a lot of people have their own personal choices on which brand, what kind of Braille device they want and need. Um, blind people might use screen reading software like JAWS and Zoom text. Um, those are probably your two big uh, software pieces that people are going to be using a computer just like anybody else, but need the screen reading software to do so. So there's, of course, the support services. That's really important um, because, yes, we can sell you something, a magnifier or a Braille device or some other piece of equipment, but it's really important that we support what we sell. So that deliver and set up and sit down one-on-one -on -one to show you, to make sure that the device is set up the way you need it, it's plugged in right, it's features are reviewed with you, Let's tweak it this way. Let's make sure that when you turn it on, it looks like this or it immediately goes to that kind of a function. So that's the importance of the support services tied into our product sales. And we provide services here, of course, in Honolulu and throughout the island of Oahu, but also on the neighbor islands. When we had our VR contract, we provided services statewide and just about any week during the month, we had people on neighbor islands. Uh, for example, JR has a place on the Kona side of the big island. And well, until this COVID thing blows over, she used to be there about once a month, every other month. So she had a lot of customers there who were blind, have low vision, and they would purchase product from us and she would go there to support them in setting up and tweaking the features of of their devices. So that's a cool thing. Art traveled a lot. Um, Roger traveled a lot. Not recently, but uh, hopefully we're all going to get back to that and we can be happy and using our technology again. So maybe uh, one other thing I should mention is our um, contractual relationship with Helen Keller and the I Can Connect program. So that's a federal program that provides services to your deaf-blind group, uh, your deaf-blind people. And so we coordinate our services with uh, Leah Newman. And she, she takes a lead role in that and doing the assessments and so forth. And then we come on board to uh, provide the training. So if you want more information on 
the I Can Connect program and being able to coordinate with uh, Leah Newman, you can let me know and I'll, I'll get in touch with you and we can talk more about that. Um, I'll end by saying that, uh, yes, Island Skill Gathering is here at 3472 Kanaina Avenue. And our phone number is 732-4622. And you can always reach us at our email address, which is isghawaii808 at twc.com. I'll say the phone number and the email again. Our phone number is 808-732-4622. And our email address is isghawaii808 at twc.com. So that's my little uh, low-budget commercial for the HAB convention. Thank you very much for listening. And if you need help with your assistive technology, ISG would be happy to help. And so, Wonderful. Thank you so much, Wally. So we are running. Let me see what time is it? 11.21. Yeah, we have just a, a few minutes ahead of schedule here. So why not uh, entertain you all by giving you stuff? So <laughs> uh, let's see. So let, let's start uh, off here with, uh, what do we have? What are we giving away here? Uh, oh, we've got another gift card. That's always nice. So we've got a $25 Starbucks gift card that was donated by Richard Rueda. So Richard, thank you so much for that. And who is Richard going to be making happy? That will be, uh, let's see, Jason... Uh, Me Mena, Jason Mena. So congratulations, Jason. You're you're getting some coffee or uh, whatever you want to buy at Starbucks. Uh, all right, let's give uh, another one here. Let's see. So what's up next? Uh, we've got, oh, two loaves of uh, delicious banana bread by Anthony Akamine. Thank you so much, Anthony, for that. Who's going to have some carbs for free here? Um it's going to be Victoria uh, Lee Worthy. Vic Victoria Lee Worthy. Victoria Lee Worthy. So congratulations. I, I hope you're not on a no-carb diet there. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll do just one more, one more. One more. So, uh, oh, okay. We've got three more of those wonderful handmade masks by Mona Yamada. Uh, thank you again, Mona, for those, for making those for us. And uh, the winner is Brenda Lucas. Brenda Lucas. Wonderful. All right. So number, let's see. Let me mark that there. So we have that on the record. Okay. So let's see. Oh, <laughs> I heard something. <laughs> uh, but uh, all right. So let me, let me uh, say a little something here before we get into our next speaker. So, um, and this is related to ACB. So I thought I'd throw this story in here for you guys. But, um, you know, I, I uh, didn't become involved with the blind or visually impaired community until 2014. And uh, that was when I decided to go to um, 
graduate school. And it, it so happened that I decided to go to graduate school, school here at the University of Hawaii because I, I wanted to study Japanese language and linguistics, and they have a very good program here for that. So it just worked out that I was coming to Hawaii. Now, of course, school, university, uh, graduate school, no exception, is expensive and, and uh, students need money. And so when I started looking into uh, where I can get free money. <laughs> it just so happened that I discovered that the American Council of the Blind had a scholarship that they were offering. And uh, so, you know, I, I did research and all that. And of course, the um, CCLVI, of course, another scholarship. And it was through those kinds of scholarships that I, I, I managed to, you know, not only pay for part of the school that I, I ended up going to here in um, in, uh, in Hawaii, but I also went to my first national convention at ACV. And that year it was at Las Vegas. And uh, so I got to learn about the American Council of the Blind, and it was a wonderful experience. And, and I got to really interact and get to know uh, people in the blind and visually impaired community here in, in the U.S. And, and it, was, it was a great experience. I learned so much. But not just that, I also got to meet uh, a few members of the Hawaii Association of the Blind. And um, Art, for example, I, I got to meet Art for the first time there, and, and Landa, and Natalie, and David. Hey, guys, everybody. everybody. So it was wonderful getting to know all of you. And, and it was through that connection that I became involved with the Hawaii Association of the Blind. And I was also fortunate enough to receive a scholarship through there. And so it was just, uh, you know, like I said, not only getting to pay for, you know, part of my schooling, but also getting to learn about the community and then becoming involved with the community here was just a, a great experience. And I've, I've stayed with the organization ever since. And it, it's been what, like six, almost seven years now, maybe. Um, and and I've, I've helped out in various ways. And, and, you know, we're all busy and I do what I can, but it, it's been a wonderful experience. And, um, you know, and now I'm getting to do this and, and get to talk on ACB radio and all this. So it's been very, very interesting uh, getting involved with the community. And, and, you know, I think that the scholarship program, especially, you know, both within here in Hawaii, but especially at, at the national level where, you know, you guys have, of course, you reach out all across the nation. You know, it's such a great way to involve young people that maybe were never involved before. So for that, I just want to say thank you to ACB. And, uh, you know, with, without you guys, maybe I wouldn't have been become involved with HAB. And uh, like I said, it's been a great experience. So um, with that little personal story out of the way, I think we can we can get into our, our next speaker who happens to be, um, well, th this speaker is always I think, you know, every year that I've, I've been involved with the with uh, HAB, it's always been somebody that we've brought over to Hawaii and we have them speak for us, you know, in person and we bring them over from the mainland. And it's always a great, you know, thing to not just connect with ACB, ACB in this way, but to connect with somebody from outside of the organization, bring them over. And, and we always have a wonderful time um, hearing what they have to uh, tell us about ACB. So this year, um, well, specifically, this this little section is where we do the um, the ACB report, uh, the yearly report, and uh, the person that we're having on is, is someone that I, I'm name a name who I uh, am very much familiar with, uh, and it's an honor to get to introduce her. So uh, she is the ACB convention coordinator, and uh, her name is Janet. Dickelman. So welcome, Janet. I, Thank I you, you can... so much, Antonio. Great. What a welcome, great what a great segue with your story about scholarship uh, winning an ACB. 
Oh, well, well, no, it, it's, it was an honor. I got to win two ACB scholarships. That is an absolute honor. So um, thank you so much for everything you guys do and for uh, making me uh, go out to the convention and meet everyone and learn about ACB. It, it's something I am very grateful for and it changed my life. So thank you. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, ACB. And that is it. That's a remarkable story. And I'm so glad to see that as a scholarship recipient, you stayed with ACB and you learned and you grew and you became a became a member and look what you've done for ACB and what ACB has done for you. So that that's wonderful. And I do have to say, so um, Antonio went to the convention in uh, Las Vegas and I don't know what he did there at the Riviera because just after we had the convention at the Riviera, they tore down the hotel, but I don't, I don't personally hold Antonio. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I had anything to do with that, but I'm glad I got to experience that before. That's right. I went away. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting because I found out, oh, probably six months before the convention that um, the hotel was scheduled to be demolished. I believe it oh, was wow. in August and our convention was in July. So that made me a little nervous, <laughs> but it worked out. Well, thank you very, very much for having me. And I'm so sorry that... I can't be there in person when Art talked to me at the ACB convention in July and invited me to come to the convention. And, you know, we were so hopeful that it could be in person and uh, disappointed. I would love to be there visiting with all of you. And, you know, I was so impressed my first convention that I went to when there was such a large contingent from Hawaii. And I thought, wow, all these people from Hawaii come all the way for our convention. And you have one of the larger contingents of convention attendees. And I think that's just, that's just amazing. And I'm so proud of HAB. And also, you are always so generous. And during our ACB roll call, and we just did a recording for our roll call um, a couple of weeks ago, and Art again announced the donations that Hob was going to be making to ACB. And I really appreciate all your generosity. Thank you. All right. So year in review. When I found out I was going to be doing this segment on the year in review, I said to myself, Oh, no, 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 no. I'm the convention person. I can talk about the convention forever, but, you know, and I pay attention to what's going on in ACB and I, you know, it's very, very important, of course, but I thought, no, you should have somebody like Eric Bridges, the executive director, do this segment or Dan Spoon, the ACB president, do this segment. And I even reached out to Art and I reached out to um, Vicki, who's been a wonderful convention coordinator, and we've had so much fun together uh, emailing and talking back and forth. And I said, you know, I'll do the keynote speech, but I don't know if you really want me to do the, the year in review because I don't know how good I'm going to do at that. And they said, oh, no, no, you do it. And I said, well, do you mind if I, you know, reach out to um, Dan or Eric? And I did. And both Dan and Eric said, oh, no, you'll do fine. And they also had other commitments. So they said, no. So I've been trying to pull some things together as far as a year in review for ACB. So here goes my feeble attempt at it. And we will talk some about the convention. And of course, I'll talk more about the convention this evening in my keynote speech. So, and the legislative front for ACB, there's a couple of bills that we are watching. Uh, the first one is HR1 and also its companion bill in the Senate S1, which is an amendment. And we're, this is the um, 
for the uh, for the People Act, the voting um, to the For the People Act. And what we're looking for on this, ACB initially said that we should not support this bill because it was not giving a lot of information or a lot of credence to remote voting. So now on this voting, there is an amendment that is coming up and that will be um, entered in on May 11th. And the markup is to allow the states that already permit electronic ballot return um, for absentee ballots to continue doing this. And it will also allow additional states to offer this voting method in the future. So, um, and it also will include remote ballot marking systems uh, in the Help America Vote Act. And that is a definition of a vote and that this would require that electronic assistance um, commissions test and certify remote voting systems in the same manner that they do for in-person ballot marking devices. And it would also make sure that the set the accessible voting systems that are in place now for electronic voting will stay in place. So we're very supportive. So if these amendments go through, then we certainly promote this bill because we want to make sure that we don't lose any ground on the accessible absentee ballots and the accessible voting machines, in-person voting machines that we have available to people who are blind and visually impaired. And I don't know about Hawaii, but we were very excited in Minnesota to have accessible absentee balloting um, here for the 2020 elections. The other piece of legislation that is important at this moment is regarding, um, is to the Endless Frontier Act. And I I love the name for this act. And it is S-1260. And what that will do, this talks about... um, autonomous vehicles, and it will um, eliminate barriers to transportation and enhancing independent travel to um, critical to people who are um, disabled and blind. And what this will do is it wants to make sure that we're all on equal footing when autonomous cars um, hopefully are in our future. And um, ACB strongly supports that um, we pass S-1260 as an amendment to the um, Endless Frontier Act, and that would incentivize American companies to test and develop accessible autonomous vehicles. And so we want to make sure that there is a lot and that people who are blind and disabled and people with other disabilities are included in this testing and in the work on autonomous cars so that we too may someday be able to drive an autonomous vehicle. And that would be very exciting. All right. That's it on the legislative front. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, president's meeting and legislative seminar that we had in February. That was the first virtual ever that we had. Um, And we were very excited that we had at least that we had 40 states represented via Zoom for this. And I have to give a shout out to women because 70% of the presenters at the legislative seminar were female. Um, so I thought that was, that was very exciting. Um, 
those of you who are familiar with the World Blind Union, uh, which is made up of people from all over the world, and our very own uh, immediate past president, uh, Kim Charlson, is now the North American Caribbean uh, regional president for the um, World Blind Union. So that is very exciting. On the front of ACB elections, this year, of course, we are having our convention virtually again, and we certainly hope that we can all be together in 2022 in Omaha, Nebraska. But for this year, we're going to be virtual, and that allows will allow even more of you from Hawaii to come and join us for the convention, and that's great. But um, we're going to do something new this year. Last year, we were not able to conduct elections, but this year we are going to conduct elections electronically. And normally, people who the only people who are able to vote in our ACB elections are people who are actually in the meeting room for our general sessions when elections are taking place. But this year, we are able to open up voting to anyone who is a member of ACB. So every ACB member will receive a unique voting code from ACB. For those of you who have email, this code will be sent to you a couple of weeks before the convention. For those of you who do not have, who we do not have an email address for. So if you are handling your um, certification for your affiliate and you want to go into MMS and make sure that you have updated email for your attendees, you can certainly do that. And we will, everyone who has an email address will receive the unique voting code via email. If you do not, we will send it to you surface mail and it will be sent in large print and in braille. And these codes are unique to you. I'm not going to have them. So when you get your code, please hang on to that. And you will need that for all of the voting for ACB officers, board members, and board of publications members. So we, and we're planning on having a practice um, election. I believe they're going to do it about a week before the convention. So with your unique voting code, you will be able to vote in three different ways. You can vote either online at a website that will be provided to you. You can call on a telephone and it'll all be set up. You enter your code into when you call in and then you will select one for person A, select two for person B. And if you don't feel comfortable entering all this information on phone, you can call and you will reach a actual live operator who is not involved with ACB, is involved with Vote Now, who is the entity that we are working with for our accessible, uh, um, our online elections, and they will take your voting, your vote. So anyone who's a member of ACB will be able to vote this year at our convention. Because of that, we're going to, normally we have our elections on the final Friday or Thursday, depending on the configuration of the convention. This year, we will start our elections on Monday morning and have them go through Friday. And if need be, we will have an additional Saturday session on July 24th to conclude our voting. Because we do have, we have all of our officers for ACB and then I believe we have four board members and several board of publication members. So it's going to, it could, um, 
we are just hoping we know this is all going to go well the first couple elections and that's why we're going to do a practice election you know it's going to take some getting used to for all of us but i think this is a great way to do it and as i said everybody who's an acb member can vote all right a couple of other updates i'd like to share with you for those of you who are audio description fans and i think most everyone who is blind, visually impaired, if they have access to audio description, is an audio description fan. Um, the ACB and Bay State Council for the Blind, which is Massachusetts, have come to a set, worked with HBO, um, HBO Max, and they are going to do fifteen hundred hours of uh, the way that this was worked out in the agreement they were going to do, they're going to do 1500 hours of audio content um, the first year and then double that for year two to 3000 hours and then double it in year three. Well, they have already gone ahead and exceeded a hundred percent or they've already done over 1500 hours the first year. And, uh, Werner Media, which is involved with them, is doing 100% of all the PBS content for their new shows. TNT and True TV are also doing all of their new content in audio description. So this is really huge for audio description fans that you can turn on your TV and get all this new content in audio description. And at the convention uh, Monday evening, we are going to have a panel of industry, an industry update from eight different entities that, that are in the media and provide audio description anywhere from, um, we've got HBO, we've got Comcast is going to be there. We have Google, we have um, NBC, all of these entities are going to be talking to us about what they're doing in the audio description arena. So that will be Monday night at the convention for all of you ACB um, audio description fans. A um, couple of other things I want to talk about. Um, ACB, and I'm going to actually start doing this for ACB of Minnesota because I had the uh, dubious honor last weekend among my other hats, I will be president of, I am president of ACB of Minnesota, but um, we haven't been doing this. And I don't know if you have, maybe you doing it in Hawaii, but on a national level, we are tracking our volunteer hours. So any committees, um, people like uh, myself who do this convention coordination as a volunteer um, and a lot of our Zoom people, our Zoom hosts and our streamers are tracking their hours and we submit them to ACB. And in 2020, ACB logged 42,000 hours of volunteer time. And the reason that we do that is a lot of people for grant purposes, a lot of entities want to know how our members are helping support ACB. So that's why we started to track them. And that my, I think that's a really good thing for state entities to start thinking about too. And when you count the volunteer hours, and I think it's like $22 an, uh, an hour of volunteer time equates to, I think it's $22 in money. 
um, actual money, we have logged in at least a million dollars ACB has of in-kind support by our volunteers. And that is just absolutely wonderful. I really appreciate that. ACB appreciates that. Um, on to next year, we just decided that our our DC leadership meeting again used to be called mid-year, but it's the um, president's meeting and legislative seminar is going to be the first full weekend in, or first weekend in March. So it looks like that will be March 5th. Um, so anyone from Hawaii who's interested, and we are going to try to meet in person in Alexandria um, as we have done in the past, except we weren't able to, of course, last year due to COVID. So that is the weekend for that. Um, ACB has had a lot of job postings and announcements. So I'm just going to go through a few of our new hires that ACB has had. Uh, right now, they have a position open for a part-time administrative assistant in the Alexandria office to help uh, Sharon Lovering and uh, Kelly Gask, who really work a tremendous amount. And if they can get an admin assistant to answer some of the phone calls and help out in the office. That'll be a tremendous help. Since our convention in 2020, uh, we've hired, ACB's hired several people in the Brooklyn Center, Minnesota office. We have a new HR person and her name is Erica Keller. Um, Jolyn Bailey Page, whose name may be very familiar to you because she's been involved with ACB for a number of years. And she is our new audio description project coordinator and grant writer. So she has a dual job for ACB and she's working out of California. Um, ACB just hired, uh, her name is Jennifer Flatt. And I believe she's in North Carolina and she is the communications staff leader. Um, so she is going to oversee all ACB uh, communications. We also recently hired Cole, Colby Garrison, who is a the membership services administrative uh person and will work with mem in member services with Cindy and she is the assistant there and she will help with member services and uh, all of the community calls. Uh, we also hired, as you may know, Claire Stanley, who was our advocacy and outreach um, specialist working with uh, Clark Ratchville, left uh, to pursue another job. And we have hired Swatha Nanda. Kamar, and she is in that position, and she is going to be moving to Alexandria. She's presently working out of Illinois right now. So we have a lot of new faces in ACB, and so when you see emails or see information coming out, that's who some of these people are. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is Verizon Media Accessibility has donated what uh, what works out to be 830, $830,000, $100,000, $830,000, I'm sorry, of ad space to ACB for their brands. So they are going to, on all, on all of their brands, on Yahoo, on TechCrunch, on Engadget, on AOL, 
they will, over the next couple of quarters, they will promote ACB and some of our and some other organizations who work with um, disability organizations to um, to promote us. So we are getting a lot of free advertising from Verizon on all of their brands. So that is that is really speaks to the commitment that we have with Verizon and the work that ACB has done um, with Verizon and Verizon Media. Um, accessible currency, you know, is still an ongoing effort. Um, we are hoping, or we're hoping, but we still don't know for sure that we know that the new $20 bill with Harriet Tubman is going to come out. And we are hoping that that may have an accessible feature. We do not know yet. Um, I know there was an article in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal rather about accessible currency and how um, the 50 pound note in the UK is the last of their um, notes to have an uh, accessibility feature and how here in the United States, our currency is not accessible and ACB was asked for comments for that article. So we're hoping that we've gotten um, tactile currency in the forefront again, but it looks like probably our first good shot at having accessible currency probably won't be until 2026, but keep your fingers crossed. Um, let's see. Um, ACB is really promoting um, our get up and get moving promo. And that is to encourage people to get out into the community and to be, um, to be an advocate, to be public awareness partners, um, to do, uh, and and to um, have accessibility to a healthy lifestyle. So we are working with a lot of partners, and that's going to be kicked off at our convention Saturday evening. Is our get up and get moving, and that is um, Tony Stevens and Clark Ratchfield will be kicking that off. So stay in touch. Uh, stay tuned for that. And as to the community uh, calls, I mentioned that briefly, ACB and the community calls has just exploded since last February. And I believe the last number I had was that we've had over 3000, I think 3200 was the last I heard, um, community events throughout ACB. So I know that has brought a lot of people together. And now with um, Clubhouse, which is another accessible app that is audio only, people are joining that and ACB has a presence on that. So we're really trying to get out the word about ACB. I'm going to just say a couple things about convention and then I'm sure Antonio has a door prize or two and then I'll let you go out to go have your lunch or in my case dinner since we are five hours ahead of me. And um, I, I do have to say for this evening's speech, um, 
Vicki did give me the option of recording my speech this evening because it will be at 1230 a.m. my time. But I said, no, I'd rather do it live because I hate recording things. And this way I'm available for questions. And I, t I told Vicki I was just going to pretend it's New Year's Eve tonight because that's the only time I stay up past midnight except during the convention. But I'm not going to pop the cork on a bottle of champagne before I do my speech. So just know that. Um, anyway, one little quick convention related thing that I want to talk about. You've probably seen emails talking about creating an account for ACB. And ACB has a myriad of different things where you have passwords for you may have registered for the holiday auction, you might have registered for the convention, we have your information in donor perfect and in for the membership database. And each one of those things has had a password and username. Well, we are trying to streamline all of that and put everything together. So we, you will have one username and one password for everything going forward. Forever and ever, you will have the same username and password. So I'm telling people to make sure you remember what your password and username is and or write it down, keep it in a safe place because you'll be able to down the road, not only register for conventions, but go into update things on your ACB profile. If you change your address, if your email changes, you can go in and make all those changes with your username and password. So we are asking everyone, especially who plans on attending the convention this year to go in and set up a user account. And to do that, go to members, M-E-M-B-E-R-S dot A-C-B dot O-R-G. And there is a, it will say create account and go to that and you will put in your name and you will come up with a password and username. Our passwords and usernames do not have to be case sensitive. I mean, do not have to have a capital letter. They do not have to have a symbol. They do not have to have a number. I always tell people to make it as easy as you can on yourself. So you will remember it. And it'll ask you a few other things such as your um, address, your phone number, your email address, and then for grant purposes, we've added a couple of other things um, to our membership request and that in these are not mandatory questions, but they do ask your gender and there's several selections there, including I choose not to give my gender. And they also ask your ethnicity. And again, you don't have to provide that information. And the last thing that you will select is that you are either blind, visually impaired or sighted. And then you will go to create account. And when you hit that button, it will bring you back to where you would put in a username and password. But that means you're done. You don't have to do anything else because there's nothing to log into at this moment. But then once you've created your account, when convention registration opens on May 20th, you can just go in with your username and password and do your convention registration. And that's all I'm going to say about convention right now. Oh, and if you are not a computer person and don't want to do this over the phone, uh, I mean, do this um, on your computer, there is a phone number that you can call to um, have someone set up your account and that someone will be me. And the phone number is my phone number, which is 651-428-5059.
But for all of you in Hawaii, please know that this is my cell number. When I go to sleep at night, I turn off my cell phone so that if you decide at midnight Hawaii time that you want to call me, you're not going to be bothering me. Well, midnight Hawaii time, I'll probably be up. But if you want to call me at eight o'clock at night Hawaii time, I won't be up. But you can certainly leave me a message and I'll get back to you and get your account created for you. Ah, a question. I have one question. All right. This is art. And first of all, let me just say, you know, for somebody who was a little bit nervous with this and wasn't sure, you did a bang up job. I think it was super, super well done. And I, I, I'm just impressed. So. Well, thank you. Tonight will be better. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But I'm sure it is. Now I'm watch. Sure. Tonight, tonight I'll totally bomb. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be fine. You'll be great. But anyway, you know, I, I thought maybe we, if you if you could and if you had the the, the insight on it, you might want to if you might want to say a few words on Clubhouse and maybe ACB uh, com, um, communities. The new okay. one. Let I let me t- let me tell you. I I have to make my admission here. I am not an iPhone user. And this is an app. So I do. I know that Clubhouse is an audio forum. They have a lot of, you go into Clubhouse and there the are now. rooms. And they are groups talking about various things. And there are people who are talking about ACB. I know that ACB in the morning has a presence on Clubhouse and they read all the community call information. We have officers and other people from ACB who are going in and talking about club, uh, talking on Clubhouse. But it's basically you can go in and chat with people who have similar interests or if you're looking for people who are blind. It is something that you do need to be, quote, invited to. So there is a link that you can go into and you put your information in there. And it's not like it's an exclusive club, we will let anyone in. We just want to make sure that, you know, we know who's coming in just to make sure that it's a a safe and a good place for people to speak. And so we will um, invite you in, you'll get a little invitation, and then you can go on at any time. And what I will do is try to get a little more information on Clubhouse because I'm I'm hemming and hawing because I don't know that much about it. And I can send it to Art and Vicky and they can forward it on to everybody. Currently unmuted. Appreciate it very much. Uh, I just really wanted to get a give the members a heads up because I have not had a chance yet to really speak to our, our group about it. <clears throat> you and, probably know uh, a lot more about it than I do, Art. I thought you and I are about are right about the same. Are we are we on the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't dug deep enough into it yet. So um I was hoping that I might learn some more. Oh from sorry. You. <laughs> but you I understand it well. that it's a really up and coming thing and that ACB is going to continue to have more of a presence on it. And I will get some more information and I'll send it out to Art and or Vicky and they can pass it on to the HAB. I'm sure you have an HIV. E- I know you have an HIV email list, so oh, definitely pass it on yeah. to them. Well, thank you again very much for um, answering that question, and I'll and I'll hand this back. Uh, my question is over, so I'm going to hand it back to Antonio. Thank you again, Janet. That was wonderful. Um, so, I mean, we're pretty much right at the end of the morning uh, program, right before lunch, but we do have. 
technically what I mean, we are right on the mind. But hey, let, let me just do one one uh, door prize and then people we'll will forgo lunch for a door prize. <laughs> hey, free money, free money. That's right. All right. Price is right here. Come on down. Um, let's see. So who's who's winning? Uh, we've got another $25 Amazon gift card donated by Sharon Ige. And that is going to oh Mona Yamada. Congratulations, Hi. Mona. You get to uh, uh, shop on Amazon with this gift card. So congratulations, congratulations. And uh, we've got uh, around 10 more, I think. But uh, I'll leave that, that for the afternoon program since we're right at 12 o'clock. Um, so we will be going to lunch, um, go get something nice to eat, uh, stand up for a bit. I certainly will be doing that. And then we'll be coming back at uh, one o'clock with the continuation of the program. Art, do you want to uh, close things out with anything? Okay, thanks, Antonio. So again, uh, thank you, Janet. Uh, you know, wonderful job done there. And I want to say, um, as we say here in Hawaii, you know, really much mahalos to Antonio for doing a bang-up job as our MC for the day. Um, I think he needs to be on radio more often. Um, he's good. He's really yeah, good. He's really good. He's a natural. So we are very happy and uh, honored to have you as our MC today. So as he was saying earlier, folks, um, you know, Go ahead, take a break. We'll be back about one o'clock Hawaii time. It's pro probably about six o'clock, I think. Um, it is six o'clock my time. Yes. Yeah, East Coast, I think. Is that no? Uh, six o'clock, seven o'clock East Coast. Oh, seven o'clock. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm in Minnesota, so I'm Central yeah. time. So it'll be six o'clock my time. Okay. See, I, I get I get all these. I know. Of, um, oh, I know. Well, Vicky Vicky gave me a tutorial, and I have to keep into account now. You know, depending on the time of year, because either. Either you're two hours ahead of California, or in this case, three hours ahead of California. Right. So that's, that's depending right. That's on where the time is, up. now I've got it, though. Now I've got Hawaii down, thanks to Vicky. So 1 p.m. Hawaii for everybody else. Do your own calculations. 